I'm blacker than the ace of spades and more militant than you and your whole goddamn army put together. And while you out there chanting at rallies and browbeating politicians, I'm taking out any money front sucker on a humble that gets in my way. So I tell you what, when your so-called revolution starts, you call me and I'll be right down front showing you how it's done. But until then, you need to shut the fuck up when grown folks is talking. Hey, welcome back, gang, to another rousing episode of Gundam at MAHQ. This is episode 44, and I'm joined by... Neo? <laughs> oh, man. Come on, some are excited. Sounds we're talking, excited. We're talking to the gang. I'm so excited. <laughs> Just can't hide it. <laughs> In this new episode, we'll be... We'll, it's jam-packed with, with Macross action. We first take on our Macross roundup of the... Robotech action. Oh, man. I know you want some, I know you want some Robotech you action. should summarize our episode in the, in the, Eric, in the Robotech narrator's <laughs> voice. I should. Um, first, we're going to be doing uh, Robotech 7. I don't think I can All talk of the OVA is a Robotech 7. <laughs> then we will discuss Robotech 0. Nice. Talk about the how the protoculture came as the... What was it? The fuel, the computer, the drug, the... Uh, as experienced through Robotech Defense Force pilot Jim Smith. Yes. <laughs> and the industrial cleaner that is robo uh, is a pro protoculture. Excellent. Yeah. But um, better than OxyClean. In reality, we'll be speaking about the leftovers of Macross Seven. Um, well, the, um, the <laughs> leftovers. <laughs> Delicious leftovers. <laughs> Turkey sandwich. Mac the Macross Seven movie. Uh, Macross Seven Encore. Macross Seven Plus. And finally, uh, Macross Dynamite Seven, with the um, OVA series that close um, that, that follows the um, TV show. And um, in our second segment, we'll finally be also closing out our um, discussion on what we'll be changing Gundam. This time, we'll be speaking about the third decade, pretty much the uh, the 2000s, the shows that appeared in the 2000 era. Um, the, the, the everything the first from decade. Uh, C Gundam C to uh, to MS Igloo Two. Oh yeah. And uh, finally, uh, we will be closing out our Macross Roundup with our discussion about the OVA series Macross Zero. But um, before we get into all that talk, we've got some pressing news with Neo. Yes, this is all closeout news because um, we're, we're just going to tell you now we're closing. Gundam is closing out 2009. We're, we're going to come back in 2010 as something else. We're actually um, we we've all been at we've all been uh, at infected with the moe virus so this will be a um, super happy made moe cafe in 2010 right chris oh are, aren't we gonna do um the the, the K-On roundup <laughs> and 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 we're gonna do uh, in-depth roundups on each and every episode of how he's endless eight arc yes awesome. <laughs> and don't you don't you know the the biggest surprise of all is that pedo bear north will Join us for our first discussion of Strike Witches. Oh, oh my God. The first and, and Nanoha. Yes, and Nanoha. <laughs> the first of many. Christmas has come early to Canada. Remind me to bring a change of underwear. <laughs> I, I, I need a large wastebasket next to me so oh, I can puke man. in it. But, uh, 
kind of light on the old news front. Just have about three articles here from some of the uh, guys that submitted them on the Listener Submitted News article thread. And once again, I just want to thank everybody for uh, submitting those, uh, you know, for this this episode and all past episodes and continue on. Um, you know, I really appreciate it that you guys are able to, uh, you know, sh- share that and take your time out to do it. So, um, you know, thank you, everyone there. But the first one's from Armor of Ray of Armor Array of V or five. I don't know which one it is yet. So I just do both. Maybe he's Armor Array of V or what is Armor Array of New. Of also. New. Yeah, I think so it's he's new. got two brothers. This Armor Array of V has got two brothers. Armor Array, uh, Armor Array of New and Armor Array Array of, of Five. five. Awesome. There we go. Uh, at, joins who? Uh, uh, Thaddeus Bonzo or the Deuce Bonzo? Got brothers now listening. Apparently <laughs> lots of brothers. <laughs> lots of brothers. Um, and, and the first one here is he takes it off a... Um, uh, some blog. It, it's actually the Gundam Unicorn, the Sunrise Anime JP News blog, and this is for every. This will be nice on Christmas Day. There's going to be an update for the English language cast is going to be announced for Gundam Unicorn. So hopefully, hopefully Spike Slurpee's in there, and Johnny Young Bosch, and Johnny Young Bosch, and uh, what's a. Uh, um, the sandwich stealer himself, Vic Mignogna. <laughs> Banniger links. Banniger. Vic Mignogna. Nice. Nice. First episode, he's eating a sandwich. He swipes a sandwich. And um, so that, that'll be kind of cool. I'm sure everybody that's in. And he gets kicked in the face for stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> Banniger, that's a girl's name. <laughs> but I... <laughs> so everybody check that out after you uh, open up all your presents and uh, get full of uh, whatever you eat on Christmas Day. So next one here is from Jabman025, and this is on the Japaninator blog. And I guess this is great if you live in Japan or um, if you have a, a Japanese PSN account. Mm-hmm. They're going to be on February 20th. The first of the six episodes of Unicorn is going to be available for HD and um SD downloads and the prices are going to be ranging from 100 to 700 yen. So nice. Uh, that wouldn't be any good if you're outside of Japan. Yeah. Can you not? The Sony IP blocks the video store. Oh, okay. Oh. I was going to ask about that. So, hmm. That's yep. So don't uh, don't even bother. So yet, ag- <laughs> yet again, uh, yet again, worldwide Gundam fans are denied. Nice. So that 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 it's not really a Gundam thing. It's more of a Sony thing. Certainly. It it is, but and still sucks. The part in this in this little article here, it's like um, they're they're hoping that there's a better structure for um, Gundam Unicorn on the PSN network than there was for um, was it Zam Lost Memories, and I guess there was just some a lot of issues with that. And the 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 last sentence in this is kind of funny. I can't wait for some full frontal action. That should be the tagline for Gundam Unicorn. Can't wait for that full frontal action. And our final story of 2009 before we become Strike Witch, Nanoha, Harahi, Happy Fun Time podcast. Oh man, can't wait for that. And this is actually from my, this is from Armor Array of Five. Oh man. He's related to Armor Array of New and Armor Array of V. Those Armors are pro- prolific, man. And he. He has. This is off the Anime News Network, 
And this is a present for my good friend, Pedo Bear North. Because, you know, everybody loves Pedo Bear North. But um, it has been confirmed, Funimation has confirmed the Strike Witches voice cast. Oh, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> one of these days, I know. Oh, it, boy. One of these days, we're going to review it. I, I've been telling Solbro and Chris that I want to review this uh, Pedo Bear North. So oh, You're welcome to uh, it. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> and the whole series is going to mark your calendars. March 30th, 2010, the whole series is going to be out. Oh, I, I've got my, my pedal calendar marked and ready. And since um, you and Chris are a little bit better at the voice na- uh, the voice actors here, I don't know any of these people, but like uh, a Shamira Lee, do you know who that is? Or Akira Vincent Davis, are these good people? Akira Vincent Davis is someone Lucy I've Lucy Christensen. Of, yeah. They're all like Kate te- Bristol. They're, like they're all te- girls. No. Yeah. The Imagine Texas that, voice huh? actresses. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been all men. <laughs> is Monica Riol in there? Uh, no, I don't see that. I see a, a Catelyn Glass, yeah, Anastasia she, Munez, a Kate, Jad Staxton, Jennifer Forrester. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin Glass was in Full Metal Alchemist and also the voice of Kim. Oh, really? Who was she in Full Metal Alchemist? She was Winry. Ooh. Well, that's that's great because that, in the second part of this article here, that it's been confirmed that Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, one of my one of my past favorites, Full Metal Alchemist. <gasps> I love that show. Right on. Uh, it's going to be available in May of 2010. I've actually seen a couple of the the new one. I actually would rather see that than the old one. Oh, oh so um, <laughs> Brotherhood was the worst double O <laughs> since. <laughs> All right, let me get this straight: Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood or Double O Season Two? Full Metal Alchemist was Brotherhood was the worst double O since Queen's Blade. <laughs> How would that relate to Shadow Chronicles, though? Is there any tie-in? <laughs> I think there might be <laughs> Queen's Blade where there's no cup less than the sea and I think, I think I'll just finish out some of the other information in this article it's actually you know none of it's really mecha related but who cares it's anime related so no big deal uh, Shikibani Hima is going to be available in the summer of 2010 the redubbed initial D box set thank god whoa uh, alright <laughs> really there- no more initial D <laughs> Actually, redubbing the show. That's what it says. Oh, dude, I got to pick that up. That's the best news I've heard all week. (laughs) uh, The initial D third stage movie in Darker Than Black Box set will also be available in March 2010. Hell no. Hell yes. Hell no, man. Hell yes. Finally, we get the movie three. Maybe we'll get movie uh, series four in our lifetime. And there was... um, Well, apparently you're a little slow on the news because they licensed all of that. Well, I got to duck the news because I'll ruin it if I don't. That's true. They they also revealed um, something uh, called that's going to be called Funimation's 2010 Rollout Riot is going to be coming out soon. It's going to be on the company's blog, so you know definitely uh, check that out. Um, you know, because be interesting to see what they get. And uh, that's about it. They also had a there was a panel and they talked to some guy that was the director of Evangelion 1.1. Uh, you are not alone. This is not the last one. It'll come back. Super Samoan edition. That was about to say. Where, Irish. Where was um, those Samoans at? Irish bootleg. Um, you know, the the pedo remix um, remake of Evangelion. Nice. So, 
But uh, it, was, it was overdue. Oh, they're do, they're they were doing online panels, and they held their first one in October of this year. So if you want to flame, I guess go to their uh, look, go on the Funimation website and see when their next online panel is. Because I'm going to say more Strike Witches. And you're like, hey guys, oh my God, when are you going to release Dragon Ball AF on DVD? <laughs> well, I'm going to ask for uh, Strike Witches in Blu-ray because I need my plain parts in high definition. But that's the news for 2009. It's that's it. So Neil, that news was off the chain. Let it me was, tell you, man. It was amazing. It's amazing you. how I took um, three ar- three articles and stretched them out over ten minutes. You did, man. Yes. The news was crisp, man. You closed the year, you closed the year out right. Call me the Edward R. Murrow of Mecca News. Anybody else have anything to add before we get the party started? Oh, all that stuff about us changing formats a joke. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's not. Oh, it isn't. I must no, not have been on that meeting. Okay. No, actually, well. Actually, we're going to be making some changes around here to personnel as well. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. The end of year, right before Christmas layoff, you bastards. Yeah, you know, we'd love to keep you, <laughs> but uh, we're just kind of going to have to let you go. What is it? Because uh, what is it? What, what were they called? The Bills in Office Space? The Efficiency Guys? Oh, yeah. The, yes. the, the Bills? The Bobs. The Bobs. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew it started with a, bo- a B. So the Bobs thought I wasn't part of the, should not be part of the mix. Just. Uh, can you tell us exactly what it is you do here? Good with people. I do with the G dick. I do with the gun damn customers. I'm good with people. <laughs> I'm a people person. Schmoes <laughs> Mikowski. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back with more gun damn at MAHQ in just a little bit. I will what? A formal apology. You will kowtow, you will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can get me. Get used to it, it's the way of the world. If you're so hot on discipline, then goddammit, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum. We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my goddamn money, you bum? Well, well we... I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is f- here. Nothing is f- No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain! This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam. Uh, this is Chris, and right now we're going to jump into the sixth installment of Macross Roundup. 
This time we are hitting up the Macross 7 sequels, having discussed the TV show in the last episode. So, um, we got a couple of sequels that came out for, for Macross 7. First, there was uh, the movie, The Galaxy is Calling Me, although it's uh, rather a stretch to call it a movie. It's, it certainly does have uh, higher quality animation than the TV show, and um, it was released in theaters on uh, Double Bill with the Macross Plus movie in Japan, but um, it's the length of the TV episode. Yeah. And even has the opening sequence from the TV show. So <laughs> basically, it's just like an extra episode rather than you know a movie in any sense of the word. It's like going. But, it's like going back to the 1940s when people used to go watch those TV shows at the movie theaters. Serials, yeah. yeah, serials. Destination Tokyo. A little Flash Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> Destination Proto Dublin. Destination Berlin. Take that, Cherry. <laughs> Look at our boys getting oh. them some. Buy war bonds. Buy war bonds. We'll show those Perseus suckers what's what. What's what and who's who and what to suck. <laughs> or not. Or whatever. Yeah. So um, we'll jump into uh, into this one first. Uh, the Macross set up a movie. Basically, um, in a couple of words, um, with uh, Chiba's uh, energy detector, they, they pick up some weird stuff going on somewhere. So Basura being the impulsive guy that he is, runs off to uh, check out what that is and um, he ends up on this uh, ice planet that's filled with um, ice ice, and <laughs> I guess a bunch of Mexicans yes they did seem like they were uh, lat- lat- Latin and in- in bunch of like kind of generic looking Mexican guys who you know boss are like it's this kind of uh, interesting scene where he just like he just uh, folds out and just crashes down the side of the mountain, rolling over and over again through the snow, and just appears at like the base near this town. And all these guys show up, and they're kind of like, "Hey, man, what are you doing here? We don't like you here. You better get out of here!" And <laughs> say, "Not really, but practically, that's that's the kind of uh, reception they give him." Except for this little kid named uh, Pedro, no relation to Pedro Bear, <laughs> who um, is a huge Fire Bomber fan and instantly recognizes him and is all like, "Boma, Boma." So, um, you know, Basara is going out to investigate um, this this uh, weird noise that's driving all the people crazy. And uh, lo and behold, it's actually uh, Mylene's hot older sister, Amelia, yes. who, for whatever reason, is macronized to a Zentradi. Yeah. And she's uh, singing because, you know, she wants to be a singer. And um, then uh, Mr. Beauty of blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, this pet Soul monster man. Up. Yep, and uh, hijinks ensue, and then a duet happens, and then, and then some sister love, and the end, and then the end. <laughs> like I said, it's a TV episode with pretty great animation. Yeah, and the so, same so, opening, and the same opening. Solbro, your your thoughts on on this movie? I, it actually tickled me pink, man. I enjoyed it a lot, man. Um, especially when um, Bossa arrives at the um. At the uh, at the Mexican snow town, and um, he gets the stink eye from everybody, and then little Pedro, you know, he's like his his number one kid fan. <laughs> what what really messed me up is when um, he took him for a joyride in the um, in the YF nineteen. The kid practically has no means of of, of being strapped in. <laughs> this kid, this kid's like the poster child for ADD. Exactly. Yeah. This kid oh, yeah. is all over the cockpit. 
And as you see later, he's he's all over some other things too. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. But <laughs> later on, when they they go back to uh, the um, uh, sorry, what's her name? Uh, the the Gina sister, uh, Amelia. 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 Who I you know for once we get introduced to a, a Gina sister that's awesome. <laughs> I wasn't the biggest fan of Mylene, but um, God, Mylene wasn't what are, that bad. What about what about what about Comelia, the baby that saved the universe? Yeah. Hey, hey, see, uh, she was also the other uh, carried Gina in the sister. I, I, carried in the unpressurized luggage compartment. <laughs> <laughs> she was the other. This cool. is the result of protoculture. Oh! No! Ooh, ah, get it away! It moves. What I, is it? Kill it with fire. I can only imagine even the second child Amelia had that almost killed her was cooler than um Mylene. But <laughs> but uh, the hate man, I am. But uh, Mylene's um, not Amelia, that bad. Jeez, Amelia was was awesome, man. It's like where was she the whole show? Where she the hell was, was on she? This planet. Uh, she was on this planet chilling like like she was came from Kung Fu. Trying to cha- train her voice in the <laughs> in the coldest of weather, but um, thank, thank God you mentioned Kung Fu and not something like the freaking Partridge Family. Hey know? man, only or, only the coolest know the Partridge Family. What's happening now or something? <laughs> <laughs> hey, and that, it's like like different strokes, man. <laughs> yeah, but Kung Fu was from the seventies too. But I digress. Um, no, she was a really cool character, and she helped to make the movie fun as long as, as well as Pedro. Um, I, you know, it was it was a it, it's a it's a standalone episode, uh, just like you said, uh, with with a really you but know. It's a movie. How with, can it be an episode? If well, it's I mean, a movie? it's to me to me it just seems like an overglorified OVA that just happened to be in the theaters. But um, it's you know, like the animation fifty one to me. <laughs> the animation is gorgeous. Um, it uh, you know, it just watching it in comparison to the TV show, which of course is a TV show. It has a TV show budget, but. It's 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 gorgeous to look at, and um, I mean a TV show wouldn't have a movie budget, uh, uh, well, or a movie wouldn't have a TV budget. Some TV, TV shows show can budget. fool you into thinking that, <laughs> but um, definitely not Macross Seven. But no, I I like this movie a lot, and um, even though it's 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 something you don't have to watch, I anybody who enjoyed Macross Seven should definitely check it out. I will say though that uh, when Amelia shows up, I would have um, I would have done what uh, little Pedro did, but I, I'd have um, gone in a different direction. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I'd have, um, I'd have taken advantage of um, that situation. The other exactly. opening? <laughs> Just everything, because you can see how she uh, she, she wanted Basra. She and, was uh, all over him. Oh, yeah. Little, I'd have, um, I'd have uh, taken that, that chance that he, uh, that he threw away. Didn't, didn't, didn't little Pedro fall into the cleavage, too? Pedro. He was riding on that stuff like it was oh. uh, uh, a beanbag. Yeah, oh, what, he was all over the place. What it is to be one a child. Bounce, one of those bounce houses. <laughs> yeah. Man, a you virtual playground. That, you could just do that for hours. I, w- I, I, I would. But, um, Neo, <laughs> what were your thoughts on it? Same thing. I mean, it's just, to me, in the end, it just seems like a, another TV episode. But it, it, it's, it's a nice, um, you know, to be kind of away from the overall story. Um you know, it's nice to see one of the other genius sisters because you do know that you know it's what she had. They had what seven, eight kids. So it was nice to see another one instead of the the baby that saved the universe and Mylene. And um, you know, and then of course Solbro's men come in and have to uh, yeah mess it up. Uh-huh. <laughs> the power of furry. The beauty of intrusion. The beauty of furry. The beauty of intrusion. And um, you know, not much more you could say. I mean, it, it it's just um, you know just an enjoyable little kind of standalone thing to to watch and you know you get to see everybody you know jump in and help 
Basra, you know, come on, the rest of the Firebomber and Gamlin, let's go. I guess Gamlin's like their number one fan now. He must be president of the fan club. But uh, other than I would the- say um, just a solid, enjoyable, yeah. entertaining tale. It's it's nice to um, see the story move to a different location, and Basra's just kind of there on his own, and uh, nicely animated, uh, good music, and... Uh, you know, when the the battle happens later, it's nice to see a well-animated battle rather than, you know, those poor cannon fodders just jumping into the waiting arms of their uh, their captors. <laughs> <laughs> that that damn ejection pod. That ejection pod, man, it sucks. It, it's got no, like, attitude control. You just eject right into the hands of your enemy. It's like they got a, it's like they got a homing beak into the enemy's hands. And they get siphoned like a straw. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait for me, I'm coming to you. Get slurpied. <laughs> Yeah, so Spiritual it's nice, nice, nice to see that. So moving on, um, the next bit we're discussing is Macross 7 Encore. And uh, these basically are just a couple of OAVs, although um, they're on TV budget. And uh, <laughs> they, were, they were just kind of released with um, the home video release of the TV show. And um, they don't exactly fit in anywhere. They're just sort of like three extra TV episodes. So the first we should probably pay some special attention to is actually um, noted as an unbroadcast TV episode. So mm-hmm. I guess this one was made with the intention of being shown uh, in the broadcast run, but wasn't. And I'm talking about Fleet of the Strongest Women, oh, yeah. which involves um, the Macross 7 fleet encountering a Meltrandi fleet and going to battle against it. Yep. A lot of estrogen so, in this one. Oh, yeah. What did you guys think of this story? I actually, I actually enjoy this episode a lot, and I kind of wish that um, it actually played a factor in, in the story of the show. Say, for instance, they ran into this fleet somewhere throughout the course of the series. You know, he woos them, and then they become part of the Macross 7 fleet. It would have been what Macross 7, I'm sorry, Macross Frontier, uh, you know, later on showed where you had a mixture of um, Valkyries and you had uh, um, Zentradi forces all mixed together in the same fleet. You know, if they ended up joining the Macross 7 fleet, that would have been a nice extra dynamic that would have been there. And it would have added a whole bunch of new characters to the cast. And um, like we it would have been more. interesting. Yeah. yeah you know, you have here this, this fleet is led by Chloré, who yeah. um, is an old rival of Milia. Yeah, say, say, for instance, that episode happened at the time that the, um, that the Macross 7 fleet was separated from the Macross, Macross 7 uh, City 7. You know, that would have been a nice way to, for them to have some kind of protection besides Gamlin and his, and his other, other two guys. That were or around the, the time series. they're on, on, on Planet Lux and, you know, yeah, yeah. they're just kind of stuck there and then these people show up. So it would have been an interesting uh, thing to happen and nice what if. And uh, mm-hmm. at the very least, though, if that hadn't happened, I kind of would have wished that this um, would have been done as, say, two episodes. Yeah. Because it just is kind of a lot of story that um, you're just cramming into one episode, and I think it certainly could have been done in two. I think so too. And and the and the um, you know the, the the thing about the that episode too, it's um, it would make sense because you have so many of you know uh, the the Zentradi were all over the universe, you know, fighting, and it would make make more sense. And you know, once again, um, like you guys said, it w- it would be kind of interesting how it would how that all would w- kind of pan out, and you know. Be a, an easier transition into Frontier, where you see, you know, you see all the the forces mixed there. But um, other than that, I mean, you know, one thing though caught my attention, and this is it's only kind of mentioned once in the episode and and very quickly dropped off, mm-hmm. which is that um, you know, obviously Max wants to try to negotiate with these Meltrandi and and do the old you know protoculture one two on them, yeah. but um, he gets a message from UN Spacey saying, no, no, don't bother with that, just destroy them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
and I really wonder why it is that you and Spacey has that attitude. Although you see kind of throughout Macross 7, you know, the, the brief times that they're involved, they really just kind of have a hands-off attitude and they don't seem to care about anything that happens in deep space. It, it, it's like, whatever happens out there, that's your own problem. You deal with it. It, it does seem like, um, you know, they were getting kind of that attitude that we see them have in Macross 2, where yeah. they just kind of, you know, kind of themselves and, you know, and actually even acting like what's always uh, complained about in UC Gundam with the Federation. You know, they just are just the fat cats sitting back on Earth and enjoying all the, the luxury and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, we could tell you or give you some help, but you, you guys figure it out. You, you, you're good. Which is wild, because you figured that attitude with you and Spacey would have died when um, when the Earth was attacked and, you know, most of the human race was wiped out and all that was left and they U.S. basically going. More, and they welcomed more Zentradi and yeah. Zentradi over the time. So, yeah. not only that, but it's like, if you can, if you can, um, if you can turn these people, that's like an, just a net gain of like how many tens of thousands of ships in Mecca? Yeah. Yeah. And, and new why technology. Would you turn, why would you turn that down, especially when, you know, there's this war going on with uh, these proto-Devlin? Exactly. You can use all the help you can get. Especially <laughs> when you're basically brothers. I mean, you know, yeah, so biologically. I, yeah, I don't understand why it is that you and Spacey just sort of has this all, and don't waste your time, just, just kill them. Yeah. So in the end, obviously, uh, it doesn't work out that way, and, um, you know, these, all of these Meltrani, they're, they're rather, uh, they act rather soon data, especially Chloray, but in the end, um, they just all go nuts for, for Basra songs, like, you know, girls madly fainting for the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> And and you know when all of these these girls they 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 go all moy for for Basser, I think it's kind of an interesting precursor to what happens later in uh, Macross Frontier when all of those uh, those mutining Zentradi on that planet they all start going nuts for Ranka yeah and same thing nosebleeds and and all that sort of stuff <laughs> so I thought that was kind of amusing that um, one that it happened here in in uh, in this uh, OAV and then later that it was kind of touched upon it again. In the opposite way with uh, with Frontier. Yeah. So the the rest of um, of Encore is uh, two standalone episodes. One um, involves some rather amusing scenes showing a uh, TV melodrama adaptation of the life story of Basara and Ray. Yeah. That is the lifetime special. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. The lifetime Which, special has some amusing scenes like when these guys are just like dirt poor playing music and. Thinking to myself, I don't, I don't think it happened that way. The baker the, who said, the baker. I'll, "I'll pay you guys in bread." <laughs> and, and it's funny because you think about that, and it's like, "Wow, Brasser was poorer than what he was. He was living out in a bombed-out building in an abandoned part of City Seven while he was big." But uh, you know, he was even poorer than that. I guess he brings Space Hobo to a whole new level. It does. <laughs> that, that would make, may, may, maybe even make Simone feel better about being an old Space Hobo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, the power is in that. It, it's in that tank top. The power is that tank top. The green one. Yep. yep. <laughs> and then um, the last episode is um, kind of a Milia-focused thing where she thinks that she's going to be, she's going to die because uh, she's sick and she thinks that somehow she's shortened her life by being a my clone. Mm-hmm. And uh, she starts doing all this stuff and uh, goes out and sings and uh, tries to get everything arranged for her impending death that doesn't happen. Yeah, which I thought was kind of an interesting concept because it's one of those things that, you know, they never really kind of tackled before. What would be the, the effects of macronization or micronization on, you know, Zentradis and humans? The, you know, it, it, 
you know, it's it's kind of that nerdy, like really kind of scientific looking way thing, but it's just something they've never really kind of passed, you know, they've kind of passed over or they've never never really tackled. Well, supposedly uh, the reason for, for Exodor returning back to Zentradi size was um, that he was concerned about uh, losing brain capacity. Right. Oh, which would make sense. That yeah. makes perfect sense. Uh, so, it, you know, once again, a good kind of standalone episode, you know, a nice little extra after watching everything and... Yeah, that's kind of the way I see it, and you know, yeah, I, I like very enjoyable. It, I like to call it Milia's last holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we uh, move on to Dynamite Seven, probably should make just at least some mention of uh, Macross Seven Plus. Oh, I'm sure you guys watched this Macross Seven. Are you, ta- Plus. Are you talking about the uh, the little shorts that are um, little short yeah. bits that appear? Um, I only got after some episodes. I only yeah. got to see one of them, and that was the one where um, Milia uh, woke up in the morning, and um, it, I think it was called Good Morning Milia, and not Milia. Good it's Morning Mylene. Oh my God, <laughs> Good Morning Mylene is the only one I got to see out of them, yeah. and um, that was it was pretty cute. But um, what were the other ones? There's there's um, just briefly go through. Um, there was a couple of them. Um, one of them is uh, Basra just uh, wandering around playing music, and um, he he um, shows up near some ruins, and um, he finds a pair of glasses. Yeah, yeah. And those are his glasses. Oh yep. man. Uh, there's another one where uh, Vafitis as a Zentradi, uh, she's just wrestling Zentradi dudes and beating the crap out of them. Nice, nice. And um, another one. Um, Kind of delves into a little bit of the past between uh, Ray and Akiko and her her dead fiance uh, Stefan. Right, yeah, the guy who was talking, the guy he kind of angst about the whole yeah the show. And, and you know, you you kind of see that you know that Akiko has feelings for Ray, Ray. and uh, she doesn't like that he's just kind of taking a back seat. Yeah, because he he was pretty talented. Yeah, yeah. as you can see. Um, there's another one with uh, Sean Gamlin as a as a uh, young boy, and you see his his fascination with Valkyries and how he's yeah. he's training um, to become a Valkyrie pilot, and Millie is his instructor. Oh, that was what, cool. that was like one of my favorite ones, I think, because you know you did have Millie in there, and and it kind of made sense the the kind of connection that they had throughout uh, Macross Seven. Yeah. So um, another one is. Um, Max is asleep in some side room near the bridge, and um, all of the bridge bunnies are uh, like checking on him, and they're all just like kind of oh, gushing yeah. over him. I remember that one. Yeah, that's when they were like uh, him and Milia um, were like completely estranged, and yeah. and and interestingly, there's at the very end, uh, this chick Sally uh, tries to uh, steal a kiss while he's yep. asleep, but then all the other chicks walk in and uh, and see her. Yeah, I remember she. That. Uh, and they all leave because Max, in his in his sleep, gets up and tells them to not take their eyes off the monitor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the thing the, the thing he was saying the whole show. <laughs> yeah, Keep even sleeping, he's got monitor. his eyes open. <laughs> the one that I think was the most interesting and would have really liked to have seen it as a full episode is uh, one called Spiritia Dreaming. Right? Yes, where it shows the um, UN Spacey's Blue Rhinoceros Marine Team. Mm-hmm. Um, they're approaching um, the Veruta system to uh, check out the planet, and uh, there's this guy named uh, Altomauer who is uh, uh, AKA Gijil. Right. And uh, they've got um, this dude, uh, Gunter, with them, AKA um, Lord um, 
Gepin, 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 right? Gepin, yeah, yeah, Gepin, Gepin, and Gepin. you see them uh, discovering like the cave where all of the frozen uh, proto devlin are, and you see them all start to get possessed by the proto devlin. Yeah. That that definitely deserved to be an OVA or uh, uh, an, a prequel episode just to explain, you know, how they did awake them. That that's pretty cool. Well, I wish it, I saw it, that. It, yeah, and then it the, showed the, an, it showed enough, but yeah, it would have been nice to see it. Would have been nice to see more, more. Yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, they also show this guy uh, Hayakawa, who was the uh, the first of the um, brainwashed soldiers to be uh, yeah. yes. the music. Mm-hmm. So you sort of see him how he figures into everything as well. So that was that was a I think uh, a good short and definitely could have been touched on a lot more in the series. Yeah, but it was made afterwards, so <laughs> you know hindsight is twenty twenty. I guess on that. Yeah, uh, there's also one where um, you see uh, Gubaba. On, on, on the planet of Gubabas. Yeah. Oh. And they're all getting chomped up by a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, after the T-Rex uh, chomps them all up, he's just kind of the last one left wandering around, and then uh, Max picks him up. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Them. And rescues him. Um, there's also some rather odd one that just sort of seems like it's a commercial for the uh, City 7 police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then there's another one... Um, about Melia, that's sort of like a sort of behind the scenes on on her job as mayor. Yeah, I remember that one too. It was like a day in the life of the mayor. Day of the life of the mayor. Um, there's what? another one that's just a uh, like a concert montage oh. from Firebomber. Nothing special. And then, as Sobro mentioned, uh, there's one about uh, Mylene, um, you know, just getting up and doing stuff around her house. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the fan service one for yeah. all for all the pedos. So, you know, these are all just sort of th- short three or four minute clips at most. You know, there's nothing, um, nothing fancy going on, but they give you some, some background on stuff that, that kind of figures into the show, like, you know, the, the, the whole thing of Ray and Akiko, the, um, the UN Spacey team, Kubaba, Basara's glasses, that sort of thing. Gamlin's, you know, desire to fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just inside and separate, uh, just just character introspectives, basically. Uh, and, yeah. And I think that's really cool, man. I'll have to check those out. And then, uh, lastly, the final thing we're going to be hitting up in this roundup <laughs> is uh, Macross Dynamite 7, which was a um, four-episode OAV released in 1997 for the 15th anniversary of Macross. Or, or, or wouldn't it be uh, Macross Dick or, um, or, or, or Moby... What what is it? Moby Moby Dynamite? As as I Moby like, Dynamite? As, as I like to call it, um <laughs> Macross Whale Wars as written by Herman Herman Melville. <laughs> Space Herman Melville. Space Herman <laughs> So um this OAV uh picks up a year after um after uh the T V show ended and Bossera's just kind of wandering around and uh ends up on this planet where these there's these like Elfin humanoids mm-hmm. who are just kind of there and never are really explained why. There's this sentient humanoid race that we've never heard about in Macross before now and have never heard from again since. It's like he <laughs> dropped into an RPG. Kind yeah. of. Yeah, I was thinking that. Too, he just yeah. dropped. He just he just dropped into like Zelda planets. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Hi- Hyrule. The planet so, uh, Hyrule. He's there, and uh, there's these uh, space whales that are coming around, and uh, there's this guy named Graham who's a... Who's a not, not to be confused with the space whale from Seed. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> That's a completely different space whale. Yeah. That these are just... glowy space whales that look like spaceships. Yeah. Versus the winged the thingamajigs from, <laughs> from Seed. And um, Bossman just kind of gets caught up in this whole thing between this guy as well as some space pirates and... You know the um, 
like the uh, defense team of this planet, and uh, hijinks ensue. Uh, gotta say, wasn't the big fan of this one. Like of, of all the little <laughs> extras of, of Seven and you know Seven itself, and you know uh, the movie Encore, all these other things. I wasn't feeling Dynamite Seven too much because I just um, I, I don't mind like an odd story, but it was just like it, there's just too many parallels with the old you know the Captain Ahab character. Yeah, and I, I just I think maybe I've seen that a little too much in anime and and regular shows in general. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't feeling it too, too much. I mean, it looked great, and, you know, it, it was only four episodes, so it wasn't like you had to suffer through it too much. But, um, yeah, I, I think it probably brought more questions than anything, especially, like you said, with the little elfin people that, um, like, all of a sudden are, you know, here. So, but that's my, my take on Dynamite 7. I, um, when I was watching it, um, what... When I I put off on watching it because I thought it was gonna be this epic finale of uh Macross Seven, you know. You were wrong. And um, you know, kind of like uh Geiger final. You know, you have the oh, nerve God. to call it final. Can't even believe you would say if that. If you got the nerve to call it final, it better be standout. So I'm I'm finally sit down and I watch uh, uh Dynamite Seven last night, and I'm watching it. and It's like okay, this must be like some maybe some random adventures that um that Bossra is going on. So yeah, maybe he'll be in a different place and there'll be a different story every time and. And you know it'd be pretty interesting, but no, they they stuck with the whole whale thing the entire four episodes, and <laughs> I'm just sitting there. It's like, man, you know, this is the this is what they wanted to make an OVA out of. It's kind of very naturistic, like you know, like a Shoji Kawamori joint. Did he direct this? I don't think he did because no. he didn't really direct Macross Seven. So I I know he had you know some creative insight on it, but this one was more naturistic than anything, and. I'm watching it and it's like, okay, it's cool to see Bossera, but you know, I want to see the other characters too. And you get little, you get little bits of uh, what's going on with the other characters here and there. Um, the whole, the biggest thing that was interesting to me is when uh, Mylene almost got raped. Yeah. But I wonder. Yeah, that, that that whole subplot with uh, the female pedo bear was yeah, uh, weird. It, it came out of left field. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I forgot that whole the setup, and and it's just it's just so weird because like Mylene goes to dinner. Mm-hmm. And they're in this room with a table surrounded by curtains. Yeah. Then she gets drugged. Suddenly, all the curtains disappear, and there's just this bed waiting there for rape. Yeah. yeah. I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "What the hell just happened?" I thought for, <laughs> I didn't even know who the, the who the chick was that was trying to rape her. I thought for a second it might. Be, I don't even think she has a name. She really doesn't. I thought it might have been you know Alice because you know, yeah, but you know it clearly wasn't Alice at all because you know which you know she was just some. Some some admiring broad that just tried to date rape her, and um, I guess she was saved by Vefidas and and Ray because Guvava got to them in time to to rescue her. But man, I, it, that was that was intriguing, but at the same time, just didn't didn't seem you know like it didn't seem it just didn't fit. And um, yeah, it just came out of left, way left field. Watching Dynamite Seven, I expect to see you know at least another cameo by by Max and and Mila and and Exodol, but you know they they they're too busy working. <laughs> <laughs> too busy to be bothered. Well, this, th- this set did it was a little darker in tone than some of the you know just the show and all the other extras in general. Yeah. And then what was it? The what was the guy's name? Graham, wasn't it? Yeah. The, Graham. Uh, yeah. And then he at the end he gets into the big daddy armor from uh, Bioshock. Yeah. <laughs> at least it looked like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was, yeah. I was expecting that that drill bit on his arm. <laughs> Graham was a cool character. I mean, he he was He's the captain. Okay. 
he was a Captain Ahab dude, but um, he had his he had his he had his little spunky daughter, and you had his hot ass um uh, policewoman daughter who um you know kind of his foil, but at the same time you know she's uh she's trying to just keep the peace from all these daggone whale poachers. But you know it it, it was fun to watch, but I just didn't want it, the series to end on that note. I kind of it kind of left me wanting you know a a, a proper finale for Macross Seven, but it's not a complete waste of time to watch it. It's just something to watch well how much more proper uh does the show need yeah it, it had so many things to it, it ended to on end so, it. it the series itself ended on a, on a pretty epic note and if it ended there i'd have been fine I mean, let, the, let's the, put it together here you had yeah. the series 50 episodes you, okay. have a, you have the extra episode movie yeah then you have encore which is what three three episodes now those both all those both take place en- within the continuity of the show but i mean still. you can take you can take them out but this is clearly afterwards and you know you didn't even get to see Firebomber perform as one group except in the opening of the show you know every time they have a performance somebody would be missing from the group and and, and also Mylene shows up at the last very second with a cardboard cutout yeah with the missing yeah. <laughs> exactly which is just hilarious yeah, yeah. And, i mean the, the the five minutes they took to zoom in on Mylene's cardboard cutout as she's as she's so-called performing during that one scene in the last episode it's like oh my god what's the point where the hell is Mylene? i know she's on her way to the planet with the whale with the whalings going on but you know she doesn't show up to the very bloody end and then boss is well on his way to new destination she, she flies by him as he's <laughs> flying out and he's like oh hey Mylene, welcome you you you, you missed everything as, o- as always that dude was yeah. Audi- like, what <laughs> that dude was audi 5000 <laughs> And Gamla was hot on this track, but I, I don't know. I, it, it he almost it, wanted some dynamite just to blow it all hell up. Oh yeah, man! You call it dynamite seven. It better be explosive. And it was no. Just... I'm saying it. You just wanted it to blow up what you were watching. <laughs> in, in the end, it was okay. And yeah. like I said, if you're a Macross Seven fan, of course you should check it out. But uh, don't be expecting um, um, epic balls of the wall finale. Uh, you know, finale. Just just go in there looking to have a good time because that's that's about all you're gonna have. <laughs> Well, I'd have to say, Sobro, to end to end this, you, you're in a in a few episodes. The use of your word "epic" is going to have to be uh, changed look, because "epic" look, these things are not epic anymore. When Chris you put, when you put "final" about. on something, I'm expecting, you know, oh, I, are we talking about Gal Geiger final? <laughs> no, we're not is, talking. Is this we're, called we're, Macross Seven final? I don't know. It says Dynamite Seven, dude. Hey, it doesn't say anything about final. Hey, hey, yeah, it does. Watch the opening. <laughs> What's the opening? You'll see it. Anyway, Chris, it's all yours. I, I guess I enjoyed this more than either of you guys, although on the second time around, because obviously uh, my first go about a decade ago, I, I couldn't stand it. Right. I saw but that I, I couldn't enjoyed st- it a lot more on, on the second time. Uh, for one, it's got some of the best music in that yeah. And I mean, they made a whole new album of yes, songs. Uh, Dynamite Fire, just for this OAV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got some great music. Very nice animation, and God, I only wish the show could have looked this good. <laughs> Me oh, too. Really? Yeah, it's, Not it's, that the show doesn't look good on remastered DVD because it looks really nice, mm-hmm. but man, this OAV looks so good. The combat is awesome is like too. real Macross combat yep. versus the uh, aforementioned, um, you know, enemy shoots and cannon <laughs> fodders move to the left and then move to the right, <laughs> and the ejecting cockpit lands right in the enemy hands. Man, that's the best. The ejecting cockpit. <laughs> I mean the. Until Mac showed up at the end, you know, as we said before, the, the, the comet in Mac Cross 7 really just kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. It's just badly animated and badly choreographed, and, you know, you don't expect it in a Mac Cross. But Dynamite 7 makes up for that because 
you you got your missile massacres, you got really nice looking Valkyries, you got everything going on that I wish could have been in the TV show. So obviously the animation style wouldn't have been in the TV show on an OAV budget, but I wish they could have had this type of combat in uh, the TV show. Um, it's good to see uh, Gamlin upgrade to the uh, VF-22, painted nice and, and sort of dark blue in his yeah. old Dark Force colors. Hell yeah. He, he was finally deserving of an upgrade, I think. Yeah, en- enough time passed. Enough time passed. I think he, 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 quali- he, he, uh, he qualified for the voucher of uh, Mecha Pilot uh, suit upgrade. Yeah, ace upgrade. Yeah, he traded in his voucher. Yeah, nice. And upgraded to that. Um, one cash, thing that I Cash liked, for clunkers. Yeah. From Space Obama. Yeah. Space Obama from 00 Season 2. Yes, he, he, uh, he got fired from, uh, from the Earth Federation and relocated <laughs> to uh, Macross. The first thing I bring is clash for Val- Cash for Valkyries. One thing I thought was kind of interesting was um, with these, uh, these poachers and these pirates is sort of, um, aside from Graham, I mean the actual pirates. Yeah. Seeing sort of the seedier side of the Macross universe. Mm-hmm. Because you don't see that. I mean, all these shows are usually focused on UN Spacey or people around UN Spacey, and you don't get to see too much from beyond that. Oh, yeah, you get it from them and, and the, uh, the date rate scene, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you got these, these pirates who, um, you know, they're out there. They got high-tech armaments. They even have, like, stealth Valkyries from UN Spacey mm-hmm. stolen that they're selling off. And these guys have got some serious firepower. Yeah, they're the, they're the Nigerians of the um, Macross War world. Because you know, in movies they, said that they have good equipment. The Nigerians have crap. Yeah, but the, you know, but you know, in every movie, Maybe, and I think you mean Somalians. No, no, I, in every movie for like the last five years, ever since like uh, Casino Royale, it seems like uh, the, all the bad guys now are all Nigerians. Oh, just hey, a man, man, right? That too, yeah. <laughs> Hey man, you know the the son of the finance minister who stole the cash before the revolution. He needs your help. Exactly, <laughs> he does. He really needs your help, uh, and and uh, you know for so a reasonable fee, uh, he'll he'll make it worth your time. So that's where all that money's going. It's buying stealth Valkyries. Hmm. Yes, it is. I did not realize and, and that. And old boosters and all sorts of other crap. <laughs> cool. So um, you know the whole the whole whales thing was. A little, a little odd, but you know, seen weirder things in in Macross. So, mm-hmm. singing space whales, um, you know, just isn't that weird in comparison to some other things. Um, definitely, there's a kind of a little bit of a too much of a of a Moby Dick aspect yeah. going on here. Certainly. Way way too much. Um, also, this this character Elma, the uh, the daughter, uh, one of the daughters of Graham, the younger daughter. Doesn't she just kind of seem like uh, a total elf stand-in for Mylene? Yes. <laughs> and she pretty much almost looks exactly like her, except for the uh, the elfin ears and the uh, green hair, the pet snakes that all these people have. Yeah. Well, it's another it, it, weird thing. All these people, uh, they have these pet snakes that they wear as necklaces, and like they t- communicate telepathically with these snakes and stuff. Well, doesn't uh, isn't Mylene telepathically with uh, Guvaba? Isn't there something with that too? There's a bond I think that's, that, that's Gubaba. That's probably more on Gubaba's end. But this is like this is just seems like some sort yeah. of weak symbiotic thing with this entire race yeah. of Zolans, is they all have snakes. They're all Pentecostals. <laughs> Maybe. 
Maybe. And, you know, there's all this stuff about the, the ancient whales coming to their graveyard and all this stuff because the snakes can read this stuff. I'm, I was kind of left wondering, like, is this, uh, these Zolans, are they another example of the protoculture, like, tinkering with the evolution of some world? Maybe. It could be, yeah. But yeah. Because you can definitely see they are a distinct species. Yeah. yeah. But they're also part of, like, UN Spacey, and, you know, they're, they're just there interacting with people. So, you know, they just kind of appear out of nowhere, and I would think that they would spend a little bit more time um, focusing on, you know, the only other uh, sentient humanoid species that's out there. Yeah, it, it, w- it would have been much nicer if they less uh, less whale hunt than, you know, a little bit more, um, you know... Uh, look at their civilization and stuff like that and yeah they they, they could have you know yeah. i would have liked to have seen some answers i mean it probably is that way but i would have liked to seen some explanation like like oh yes these people you know they they were you know they were visited by the protoculture x thousands of years ago and you know they got evolved the same way humanity did yeah. it, it seems a way especially since they can be macronized just like human beings can so, yeah yeah so um Elma didn't really stick out much to me because she just, like I said, was a just a Mylene stand-in with a snake. <laughs> low rent Mylene. <laughs> low rent. Yeah, she was. She was a low rent Mylene. Um, although does Sobro think she was more annoying or less annoying than Mylene? Since obviously he doesn't care for Mylene much. I liked. I like. I liked Elma. I liked her. Um, you know, she was. You know, Big there surprise. was just enough of her, and she was actually helpful. Yeah, Liza was uh, an interesting character, the older sister, and yeah. uh, she's a good pilot, and she's a redhead, and she's hot. Hell so. yeah! <laughs> I second that. The, the, the funny thing is, uh, Solpro thinks Mylene's uh, annoying, yet his boy is Saji Crossroad, who right. is more of a bitch than Mylene was. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. We, no, we we know this is a known quantity. Yeah, the, well, the, the shows don't look lie. At, look, look at the pedigree that Mylene has of, of her parents. She's got mad skills. She can fight and sing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What does Saji do? He delivers pizza and, and, and space jets. Hey, man, he works for Space Pizza Hut, man. That's all I know. He, he, <laughs> he He's okay. He's all right. Mylene, I just, uh, I, I, I'll just... I'll just I'll you just, just dig yourself for now. a hole with every word. No, that's okay. <laughs> this, this, this I, 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 I stand that, alone. Okay, because you're used to it, I guess, right? I, I, as usual, I'm just going to sit back, but I stand alone on that. Mylene, I'm, I'm glad the I'm glad the genius had geniuses have eight other kids. I mean, seven other kids, including the adopted daughter. Because man, <laughs> I guess she's the baby, and it shows. But um, anyway, you you heard it there, folks. Uh, according to Solbro, Saji Crossroad. Uh, He's 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 the man that Mylene Junius will never be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nor- normally, I, could I agree. S- normally, I could see where somebody would think like some characters are annoying, but I the whole Mylene thing, I don't that I don't understand. But I guess that's a different topic for a different day. That's 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 a different topic that I don't even want to get into. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> don't even. And I think uh, I, I think uh, the well's been poisoned sufficiently now that uh, there's there's just nothing more we can say after that. Exactly. At least, at least she's not Quest Parai. That's all I got to say. Okay. Well, point, she isn't. Point, point taken. <laughs> yes. So, um, with that, we are wrapping up this sixth installment of uh, Macross Roundup, and so this is our year-end episode as a uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus treat. We're doubling up with uh, the Macross Roundups, and uh, later in this episode, you'll hear us wrapping up Macross Roundup with Macross Zero. Right now, we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Mm-hmm.
This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now, they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN5 for 10% off your order or GUN6 for $5 off any order that's over $30. Or if you ever wanted to buy a domain name, you can get one for the low price of $7.49 if you use the code GUN7. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the sponsors and special offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Just gotta keep on trucking. Yes, sir. I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day. Gum damn it. Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and we're going to be going into the final uh, chapter of what we would change in Gundam. Uh, our previous two episodes, we did what we would change in the 70s and 80s Gundam shows. Uh, the second portion was all of the 90s shows up into uh, 2000, which was the live-action thing of G-Saver. And uh, now we're going to be going, finishing up uh, actually the decade. It's, it's kind of funny. This is going to be our last show of the 2009. And these, uh, this is the end of the decade, isn't it, supposedly? Oh, yeah. Isn't that how they do it? Yeah, because 2010 will be the next, the second decade of the 2000s. So what we're going to be doing is just like we did in the other ones, we're going to go through uh, chronologically with one change here. We're going to be doing first, we're going to start off with the first show of the 2000s, Gundam Seed. Then we're going to do uh, MS Igloo 1, but we're going to do both the Hidden One-Year War and Apocalypse 0079, even though Apocalypse 0079 happened a couple years after um, MS, uh, the Hidden One-Year War. Then we will hit Destiny. Uh, then Stargazer and Double O, um, and then finishing up with uh, MS Igloo 2, the Gravity Front. So I guess we'll just kind of kick it off with uh, the first one here, which is uh, the first um, Gundam of the 2000s, uh, Gundam Seed, an alternate century, and Solbro, you're on. What would you change? Well, um, it's funny. Uh, this is like a political show, man. You, you're my two pundits. I go right to you. Solbro. <laughs> well, there's Comment. actually two, two plot points I actually agree with. Let's hear from Carl Rowe. What do you have to say, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> Please bash this current administration. Or who's that, who's that one guy on CNN with the dog face that... Uh, the real liberal guy. God, talk, I always forget his name. You talk about oh, you either talk about uh, uh, David Gergen or uh, no, no. Oh, you, oh, you mean uh, the bald, 
the bald yeah, James Carvel? The ball? No, not James Carvel. But there's another guy. Never mind. It's not a big deal. But um, oh, I know he's a, he's a fat guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, David Shrum. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I know, I know him. But um, well, um, I actually agree with a, a a good friend of mine who's actually here in the room with us right now, old Nick the Stampede, number one Bright Noah fan. He's here, and we talked about this last night about the things we like to change in seed, and we came up pretty much with these. Um, one of them is not so much reused animation throughout the course of the show. You know, it, during the battles, there were t- there was a ton of scenes we saw over and over again. It was almost it, it like the show ex- um, suffered from Macross Sevenitis. <laughs> no, dude, come on. Uh, Macross 7's use of stock footage uh, was nowhere near as bad as Seed. Yeah, <laughs> Seed, man, as almost like every episode, you can count on seeing some of the same things, like like Voltron Foreman in every episode. <laughs> same animation. How many times can you watch Nickel and Kagali's dad die? Oh, my gosh. And, and, and that includes flashbacks to scenes we've already seen. Um, numerous times they show, would, would show those. They showed up even in Destiny. And in Destiny 2. <laughs> <laughs> With flashbacks of people who don't even who weren't even there or don't, don't know anyone involved, <laughs> but flashbacks are happening regardless. Exactly. Um, the other one that uh, that Nick and I um, agreed upon is that um, Flay should have died much sooner. <laughs> Why, man? Um, I don't know. I just I, I think saving it for the end. Although it was dramatic to see it at the end, I you know if she if she died a bit sooner, it I think it would have. Yeah, but what? But once she, I think over, it would once allow- you got hooked up with Crusade, you really didn't see that much of her. Yeah, so it wasn't I mean, like she was in every episode. But, but it, I think it would allow uh, Kira and um, Locus to grow a little bit more. To you know, instead of like you know, I don't think anything. Could I don't think, it, yeah. because uh, even after she died, he had two two more years to get that he going. Did. He did, and, but you know, sorry, he's he's not he's not <laughs> Jesus Yamato when it comes to the love the love end. <laughs> So, but yeah. Well, uh, just never mind. <laughs> anyway, um, hey, because if I if it was me, if I had a pink haired pop idol like that, I'd be more than just hugging her. <laughs> I'm telling you, and I would not have those bratty little orphans around me. <laughs> Unlike Flay, which 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 Kira didn't waste time getting getting to know on a on a on a biblical level. Well, Locus um, needs to dye her head red then. I suppose so. But anyway, um, Chris, what were your um, what were your thoughts on what to change on Seed? For God's sakes, the the flashbacks! Oh my God, there, there's a reason why uh, Gonoda nicknamed um, nicknamed Fukuda flashback them all Fukuda. They're pretty bad <laughs> because as murder crazy as Tamino was back in the day, Fukuda just loves to give you flashbacks over and over and over and over again, even for shit that happened like the episode before or earlier in the same episode. Exactly. Or, or was shown in the recap. Or, you <laughs> or know, the, the recap. The, the short yes. little recap uh, prior to the, the episode. Yeah. And I swear to God, I think in the episode after Nicole died, they must have shown uh, that, that, uh, that batter up death like four times. <laughs> yeah, that, that was getting... It was too much on that. And, and how many times... You have to see uh, Kagali's dad just chilling there in, inside the flames and getting blown away. <laughs> and then, and then you had the one that was—it uh, was only for a short time, but it was about a span, of about eight episodes. The uh, uh, Kath, uh, the Akira Atherin fight, you know, round one. Yeah. When they they yeah. went after each other, they the, the next couple episodes, it was like I think in some episodes they even showed it like twice. I think from both of their as- aspects. <laughs> I don't know. It was terrible. Uh, number two, if you're going to copy uh, the story of Mobile Suit Gundam for at least even the first half the way Seed did, mm-hmm. you can do a better job at it and being more original about it because, um, as well, I think maybe you, Paul, have seen, 
if you watched it, I don't know if you, uh, Dragonar? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Dragonar kind of follows the same basic stories MSG, but sure does a much part. better job of it and being a lot more original. Yeah, I mean, just from the jump when they when they go into the suits and it registers to their biometrics and you know you can't get them out. That that's at least a lot different. So. But the way the whole way that show played out, even though basically yeah. the same thing of like Earth versus space. Space has mobile suits. They get stolen. Mm-hmm. Earth eventually catches up, pushes space people back into space, beats them. Same basic story, but it plays out a lot more originally in Dragonar. Definitely. Definitely. And I think Seed could have done that too because it just got a little ridiculous, you know. Uh, neutral colony has secret suits on it. Attack, uh, you know, ship's crew gets killed, gets replaced by a bunch of kids flying around. End up at the Allied um, space base, but they're all taken in as prisoners. And then the space base gets attacked by the enemies. Go down to Earth get thrown off course, end up in the desert and run into a guy who's the enemy, but he's a nice guy, but you got to kill him. Yeah. I mean, Christ, you, did you have to follow it so much exactly? This, this is no Zaku boy. This is no Baku boy. <laughs> That's the only thing that was or missing. Or no Jin. I'm sorry. The, the only thing that was <laughs> oh, missing yeah. from that was having, like, a Garma-type guy. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Not that you'd notice amongst all of the other similarities that are just being thrown at you. So given that the show went into uh, a different direction in the second half, I think they could have done that in, in the first half. Also, the pacing for the first half is just horrible. That, that's what I was going to say. I, I, I'm, I, can, I can kind of forgive, you know, if you want to rip off the first part and kind of do the, the, you know, the update of Mobile Suit Gundam, but that, that, if, if you kind of just sped it up a lot more, because it seemed like they were in that desert forever, too. And, you know, just, and then the, the useless ba- underwater battle with, um, you know, bearded dork guy, and then, you know, if they would have just, and it, it, would, it probably would have helped the the end of the show you know maybe explore more of the the connection with the crusade and moo and the whole thing yeah. with the lab they might and have all had this to other speed stuff. up so much at the end if they hadn't yeah. wasted so much time at the beginning because they just go in this very predictable pattern of fight fight no fight fight no fight no fight i'm not saying you have to have a battle every freaking episode but you can manage your time a lot better and not just slow the pace down to a crawl so much the way that show did for the first like 25 episodes or so and and that whole that that span of four episodes after he lost strike and magically you know wound up in Lacus's flower garden and um you know that Which that whole can appear if you buy uh gundam seed astray for a low low price yeah exactly but i mean that whole kind of span of like three or four episodes they were just so dragging it's like oh my god really you know it's like uh, no more but, and of course, all of the clip shows, as if the flashbacks weren't enough. Yeah, but I think there. I, th- I think. I think in the, later on, there's something that will eclipse the the uh, clip shows of uh, Gundam Seed. <laughs> but uh, a- anything else, Chris or Soul Bro? Um, because of the pacing, this kind of relates into it. By the time they get to the last episode, even though there's some good stuff going on there with like some of the battles, there's just too much to get done. Yeah, and not enough time to do it and, and i would probably add on that where i i think that that suffers from is when they have to finally um you know they have to finally defeat the three druggies it's like those guys were giving them so much hell and took them to their limit and then they all just got capped like yeah like grunts minutes apart. yeah like useless grunts i mean it, it was yeah and then you know the le crusade dies the end oh by the way the the treaties being uh, done over during the credits. Yay. So, <laughs> yeah. but 
I mean, pretty much every other Gundam show, aside also from Destiny, um, ends with some kind of like little kind of epilogue, usually. Mm-hmm. The original series, it didn't because it was canceled, so that's to be expected. But at least the ending played out better in the original series. Zeta just kind of ended where it did, but that's because there was double Zeta coming afterwards. Right. If you look at it, almost every other show gives you some kind of an epilogue of some kind. Hell, the seed it's sort of like they just barely get to the end of everything blowing up before the credits start. Hell, uh, Gundam X got uh, it, it got canceled, and they were still able to sew up everything into exactly. a nice and tidy little package, but. Um so I guess that would take us to uh, the next show, which is, uh, like we said, MS Igloo, and it's Hidden One Year War and the one that came after a few years later, uh, The Gravity Front, uh, Chris. Uh, Apocalypse 79. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Apocalypse 79. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, Chris, uh, what would you change, uh, Mein Kaiser? More space Nazis. Because <laughs> that's exactly what Igloo needs. It just needs even more. It needs guys doing freaking Sieg Heils and... And you need to see, like, the Xeon youth, and I need to see, like, the triumph of the will in space. Well, didn't, wasn't and, that, and wasn't... space concentration what, camps. Well, we didn't see space concentration camps, but we did have Hitler youth, we did have crazy zealots, and... Uh, Rubber gloves. You know, the, 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 the Das Boot feel. No, uh, yeah, Igloo, as we, as we talked about back in the roundup, too many damn Nazification references that was not needed it really just kind of just detracts from the whole show because as we said you know many times in the past the 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 sort of nazi connections were a lot more subtle in msg and then all these sequels have come along and have just made it like ridiculously blatant to the point of almost parody now yeah. it's like you look at you look at the xeon and igloo it's like how could they be anything other than space nazis whereas in the original series it didn't seem that way and and you know when when you kind of put them as nazis you kind of get in this mind that you do want them to lose where in you know as we see from in zeta you know what was the right course of action the federation winning or the zeon winning you know and suddenly like every damn thing has some german name yeah exactly like, this, did this turn to legend of lactic heroes where <laughs> an empire founded by germans exactly <laughs> every everything and everyone is german exactly yeah that was just ridiculous number two um the um, the repetitive formula that kind of wears after a while of you know here you gotta test this piece of crap here's some guy who's gonna test it for you oh you find out that this guy's got some kind of heroic backstory and, and he's got noble principles and everything and now he dies mm-hmm. everyone's sad the end the end Epi- next episode next episode rinse repeat yeah N- new guy new goofy guy with sad lament at the end. Yeah, I would have preferred to see. Um, you know, I know originally when they just did the first three, the it was okay having the standalone episodes. But when they did Apocalypse seventy nine, I was hoping to see maybe like a continuing storyline, which they kind of did a little bit in the last two episodes, but not too much. Yeah, I would have preferred to see like one storyline of something rather than this noble guy dies, that noble guy dies, and then at the end, magically Oliver breaks the cycle. Yeah, you know, and maybe especially in that second part, make it more of like. A story of the ship instead of like you know the story of you know the 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 guest the guest doomed pilots yeah (laughs) guest starring the Hitler Youth Monique's Hitler Youth little brother Sig Heil because the 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 crew on that ship is pretty interesting you know you Mm -hmm. got Monique who's kind of you know bitchy but also kind of nice at heart in certain situations Oliver who's sort of this greenhorn guy who's having all of his idealism blasted away on the battlefield. You know, the uh, the salty old captain who's, you know, the veteran. Admiral, Admiral Yamamoto. Yeah. 
That's what he was. Yeah, so, you know, you could have done something there with that group rather than just why waste time focusing on these guys who are who are doomed to die at the end of the episode. Like, you know, Tic Tac Popper and, and um, Hitler you know, all these other guys. Yeah, but Solbro, anything you would can add or would want to change? Well, one of them, um, I'll... Uh, Definitely, I'll agree upon less Nazification of the Xeon forces. My God, it, it's <laughs> you almost can't root for the, the people who you're focused on because of the fact that they're so, you know, the, the, the design of the Xeons and, and the look and the feel yeah. is, is so Nazi-esque. Um, the other thing I would have loved to see was more of a, um, you know, even if it's in the background, more of a cameo from um, the White Base crew in the last episode where they had a Bawaku. Because, you know, the White Base was instrument, instrumental in... Um, and taking down a Bawaku, and you know, it, it would have been cool to see at least Shar and Amaro fighting in the background. It would have, but unfortunately, yeah. uh, based on like all of the details of that battle, yeah, and all of the different locations, yeah. the Igloo crew were like in the exact opposite area of yeah. where the white base was. That's yeah. true. That's so. true. Uh, and and, so and if unfortunately, it wouldn't have happened, but it would have been nice if it did. Some some way of throwing the, it the in, or at thing, least hearing a broadcast stating the, um, the only thing I would. The only thing I would say on that would be would be if you wanted to kind of do a quick cameo yeah. besides the the Shar cameo in the and first and the, episode and the Gundam cameo later on and the uh, the, the 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 brief cameo of the Gundam yeah. uh, shooting the Zakus and also the failed legs running yeah. around. Well, the the, the <laughs> thing the thing that would be kind of nice would be is if um, maybe you know Oliver would check some things or you know his his advisor Colonel Clink there was telling him you know about. <laughs> To watch out for the new, you know, the new prototype white mobile suit and then maybe the, the knockoffs like the GMs, you know, and that would have made a little bit more sense if you wanted to kind of do that little nostalgia. Oh, a little bit more so or, or, or you know, even in the last part of it, you know, be, be careful of this suit if you see it. We see it over here, but it's just like it's massacring us. Help, or, you know, like an SOS from like one of the ships over there. You know, that would have been probably a better way of doing it. But Oh, I had two more things that occurred to me. One, oh. um spend more money in the physics system for like <laughs> facial and like hand movements get the havoc engine <laughs> yeah something and number two uh this is another thing that bothered me along with the zeon notification in their effort to um glamorize the zeon so much they made the federation like so ridiculously evil yeah, yeah they're on the, the good guys <laughs> whereas in the original series and even in 0080 and all uh they made it very balanced where you had good and bad people on both sides yeah Whereas here, it's like every person from the Federation is just like like ridiculously evil, like Earth Alliance seed level evil. Well, uh, armistice? What armistice? <laughs> <laughs> ah, just kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you, do you think that they already had it planned all along that they were going to do a part two later on and and focus on the Federation? So no, they I they, they have, I I just think they have a hard on for the Zeon. Yeah. Oh, like whitewash them and <laughs> and make them as heroic as possible. Yeah, because you, you got to remember it. Crazy Gundam fans who think the Zeon are so noble and heroic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fighting the oppression of the man. You got, you got to remember at the yeah, and colony drops at the Gundam bar there in Tokyo that the Zeon side is always more full than yeah. the Federation side. So I guess that, people just think that fascism is heroic. I yeah. guess so. But um, as long as you have cool uniforms and mobile suits, fascism's okay. Look for me in the Titan side. <laughs> I'm well, your fate is sealed. Oh man, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll pop like those guys popped in a uh, seed Hell yeah, once, once that grips cannon gets you. That's another thing to change the seed more Alaska. <laughs> once the, once the Oral Redenbacher cannon is completed. <laughs> I will have complete control over all of the cor- cornal, uh, kernel corn 
on all of the Federation. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> no, that's... That's the actual uh, house. Oh, man. Or the, awesome. the, or the Pringles. <laughs> Once you pop, you can't stop. Freaking awesome. But uh, enough on Igloo, I would take it. Um, the next one. Now, let's keep this very short because we've already devoted many times of time and bandwidth to this uh, <laughs> mobile suit see Destiny. Chris, would you like to tackle that? Where's Austin when you need him? Yeah, 50 he? words or less. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. We'll do this debate style, presidential debate style. You have three minutes. <laughs> no, I mean, literally everything, because even the parts of the show that were good had some problems. The fact that um, they started off with another Gundam Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Was, even though it was done well, better than it was in Seed. Like, yeah. Did you have to start a Gundam Jack? Couldn't you have just started with, say, uh, Unius 7? Yeah. Like, the ship's launching and then bad stuff starts happening? Yeah, that would have been awesome, actually. Yeah. You it would have it worked a lot better. Um, and also the fact that they ignored... They didn't really develop, like, any of the why behind Unius 7 right when it happened or after. It, just, it was just kind of this thing that happened. The, 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 the greatest 10-episode show idea that was one episode. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, that could have been a really good arc to start things off, but it just got cut down to like a single episode. Um, you know, obviously uh, Shin having this show stolen from him by Kira. <laughs> yeah. uh, Shin being turned into like a Jared Gray knockoff loser villain. Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> and having his character development like completely destroyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kagale being destroyed and going from a kind of annoying chick who, you know, would fight for her friends and her ideas and stand up for anything to a uh, crying useless ninny. Uh, the, um, the comic book resurrection of Moo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, destroying Kagali's relationship with Athrin, which was one of the good things about Seed. Yeah. Um, turning Kira from an okay guy into a total robot. Mm-hmm. A total, total robot who never experiences anything and never has anything happen to him, and who is absolutely perfect. I patch Matilda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, making uh, Captain Ramius, like, totally subservient, like some maid to Lacus. Yeah, I know. What was that all about? Uh, Andy being useless and wasting his resurrection. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh, the, the. You keep going. Shows. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I think he re- I think he reached the word limit. <laughs> I I I don't know. I think that pretty much summarizes everything that that's wrong with the uh, oh and of course the the flawless victory at the end of the TV version. Yes. Yeah. And the, and and the and the uh, somewhat flawless victory in Final Plus where, where a leg a leg got blown off of Matilda. A leg got blown off of I patch Matilda. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and I think maybe uh, I think maybe Atherin probably scratched a little um, pain off of Infinite Justice. Oh. <laughs> but but you know, uh, Strike Freedom didn't even get like a space bug, you know, like hitting its one of its eyes. Um, Soulbro. Well, aside from the laundry list of uh, of things we've already spoken about in previous episodes, uh, top of my list is definitely the um, the whole Laflaga fam- family saga just got completely pushed to the side. Make I, him a clone. I, <sighs> Yeah, you know, I agree with you there because I, I, I was going to leave that for you to talk about. But um, yeah, uh, for, if you're going to bring back clone, Mu, just just they took his DNA at Alaska, and they, it would have been it have been it such made a, more sense. It'd have been such a cool kind of Blade Runner type of thing where yeah. um, if he was a clone and he kind of got the memories back of Mu, yet he wasn't the same guy. You know, you'd have had Romulus with more conflict when um 
when 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 the truth came out about that, you'd have you know. Nah, she'd still, she'd she'd still want to get hit by that. Yeah, yeah. Neil would have been at a crossroads though. Do I? Well, I spell for so I, many years. Do I go back into the 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 role I was meant to play, or do I do I follow a new path because I'm not I'm not the guy that um that 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 you know that well, Mu was. What's interesting about the whole thing? Basically, me yeah. like like a, uh, a a Thomas Riker sort of thing. Yes, yeah. yes, most well, definitely, dude. What's interesting about the whole thing is like even in the first seed, you have an interesting social commentary of genetic engineering. Yes, and it's a moral dilemma, and it's something that even goes into society right now. The naked well, snake dilemma. Well, <laughs> cloning, cloning could be this is is the same thing, and you would have had. It would have been interesting just to have him. Is like he's got all the memories of Moo, but yeah. is he Moo? And but no, they. I mean, it, it would have been even better if they would have done an actual comic book resurrection. Like the point that he deflected the, sh- the strike, deflected the shot, like a rip in the time space continuum, sucked him into another um, <laughs> another dimension. And I mean, that would have made more sense. <laughs> that would require Jeff Loeb stepping into the writer's room. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> you already ruined heroes. Why would you want to come and... and, and um, yeah. Destiny was already ruined. It wouldn't have made much difference. Um, another, <laughs> but, thing, but, another thing that I, I didn't like about Destiny was the fact that um, I, I liked the Murasame. That was a nice update. You know, finally the grunts get a nice suit. Mm-hmm. But the lack of imagination for the... Um, for the for the the title Gundams, you know, Strike Freedom. It was just, I mean, it, there's it's the basically destiny, freedom man. with you know gold joints and some you know spam, more spam on it. <sighs> Infinite Justice. What what do you have a a taller spike on his head and you know the I think a the bajillion beam sabers, a bajillion beam sabers. The legend coming out of everywhere, including the crotch. No, yeah, yeah <laughs> legend. Practic- yeah, it did almost. It was practically. A this cocktail. is the zone of Enders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, uh, the the that Vaporware seed movie has yet to come, so oh. you, know, you might have um, enduring freedom, justice Gundam. Oh God, enduring <laughs> enduring freedom strike. Yeah, but I, but that I thought because you you can just, when, when I started seeing that you could you could definitely see that they phoned it in. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're not even trying to adapt new uh, new suits. So I think the Destiny's like the first Destiny's the first show I watched where I wasn't really happy about the the titular suit. It was just not it just wasn't all that enthralling. Not until the redesign. I forget who um redesigned it, but the redesign for it in model form. That was the first time I looked at the Destiny with any kind of um any 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 level of attraction. But watching the show, man, eh, oh, sexual attraction? Uh, no, no, <laughs> I wouldn't say asexual in that case. <laughs> well, no, it's cool. But, um, but before we go any more on anything else on Destiny, oh, we could talk all day about that boy. <laughs> anything else? Um, I um, guess that'll bring us to uh, Stargazer. Oh, oh. oh wait, wait! One last thing about um Destiny. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Stop. Stop recycling and slightly changing animation uh, from seed. Oh boy. Oh boy. Retconning on the fly. It's, I swear to God, half of that show was like, let's take this scene from seed, change the mobile suits around, have them move the exact same way, change the background, and voila. Well, it, it, it seemed like the only battle they ever fought was Orb. Just in, in yeah, it's the same. Like it's ridiculous when when you have the final battle in space. It's just like a space transposition, practically, of the orb. battle in Or five episodes earlier. <laughs> You're so true. It, it it it's funny because it's true. But um, it's also oh, sad because it's true. Um, Stargazer, Solbro. Um, I'm gonna just say the obvious thing. It should have been longer. No. 
I think it should have been shorter. Oh man, like it should have been longer, and Destiny should have been shorter. It should have been one frame. <laughs> <laughs> That's how short it should have been. Um, it should have been longer, and I would have loved to see more of the Stargazer. I was a big fan of that suit. I, I liked that a lot, and um, they got to use it in the last episode primarily. You got more, to see bits and pieces. More foot of it. Vulcans of death for me. <laughs> Although the 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 Strike Nora was a cool suit too, man. The Stargazer that suit was, was pretty just, hot. Was freaking. Uh, it was so sleek and awesome, and. Yet it just got reduced to being at the tail end of the the series. God, they made which even Baku's awesome in that thing too. Oh yeah, I had a, a really good designs all about that series, and as as short as it was, and but, and, and less uh, less call girl mo- mobile suit pilot. <laughs> Jesus, big at mobile suit pilots as well. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, uh, Stargazer. Uh, again, the obvious. It should be longer. Mm-hmm. Um, better animation at the end because yeah, it got terrible. I was quite disappointed that for something that's so short anyway that the animation quality dropped off so noticeably in the last the last episode. Yeah. That was pretty disappointing. Um, another thing, and this kind of bothered me, was that um, since it took m- a little bit more time exploring things like, like Unia 7, um, I hated that by the end of this show, their depiction of um, the Earth Alliance followed the Seed and Destiny mold of just having them be utterly evil mustache twirling villains yeah <laughs> because in the first episode you know when there's this like katrina like natural disaster you see all these earth soldiers you know they're providing aid and assistance and you know there's kind of a bit of a more balanced portrayal of the alliance but then by the third episode they're just like kill all those damn spacemen and steal their crap <laughs> kill everything kill 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 yeah it was pretty pretty weak yeah, I would have preferred them to avoid that very obvious trap that Seed and Destiny fell in of just making the Earth Alliance utterly evil without any redeeming factors whatsoever. Would it would it be safe to say that the that Stargazer's uh, story ideas could have been a fifty episode show and Destiny's could have been a fifteen minute or a forty five minute show? I think that would have been an interesting way to reverse everything. <laughs> So let me get this straight. In Bizarro World, actually, see Destiny is only forty-five minutes long, and Stargazer yes. is fifty episodes with an with an extended um, with an extra episode and an extended uh, one-hour special. Yes. <laughs> wow. Anything else on Stargazer, guys? Because I I completely agree with you. I mean, it's the same thing, longer, less, just falling into the same old trope of a uh, evil Earth alliance. Nope. And, I, I agree with you too. It was a it was a good forty five minute uh, model commercial. <laughs> and now we will go to the next show, which is Double O, and we'll go right to Soul Bro because this is th- this is one of the few shows that has the Soul Bro guarantee. It does, of man. Excellence, freaking the guarantee, man. I think my man, um, what's his name, um, Zambot Three in the audience <laughs> for reiterating that. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> well, you were the one that you were the one that said it. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I did put I did put my stamp on it, and I, I still think I still think it ended well. Um, I think though that um, the show had a lot of intricacies in its first half, and in the second half, the broad strokes kind of um, you know, some of the intricacies were you know left behind because of the broad strokes that they had to perform in the second half when it came to the story. There were some things that were touched upon, but you you would like to, them to spend more time on certain subjects which they didn't have time for in the second half. And I kind of wish that they would have taken more time to you know to to flesh out those intricacies. Um, you An know, example being, um, 
the whole thing with uh I I I would have liked him to touch upon more about um what's her name? Uh Saji's sister, you know, her death and um and the whole thing with um you know Ali killing her and this is just some fanboy stuff. What more can you say I, on that though? She really, was, not she, much. Was the, she was the not idealistic reporter like Chris yeah. trying to get the big story. <laughs> And she, hey, she I got. Know, I know better than to uh, get into cars with strange men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, you know she. I mean, I don't know what more you could really do. I mean, she and that that whole thing was being squashed. They told her not to pursue the story. Yeah. She got into the car with, uh, you know, vicious part two there. Vicious part two. And um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would have, I would have, I would have kicked out the window as soon as he started talking about uh, little boys and. Being militants and GN drives <laughs> and mobile suits. I mean, oh, oh, this is not the place the, for me. Did the action roll out the door? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you know, the whole thing with um, with uh, what's his name, Tyria and Ribbons. You know, the whole background with uh, with um, there could have been a little more on that. That, that would have been nice. Um, you know, because it kind of built that up. Uh, but you know, like I said, there was a lot of things going on. Graham, you know, I'd have liked to see him at least one last time uh, after his defeat. Um, besides a little cameo he makes at the end, you know, just little things really. That's my only big change. I'm sure there's other ones. I just really all, all those changes would have added like another 25 episodes. <laughs> you know, it would have, it would have, and 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 maybe that would have been too long. And after the disaster that was season two, oh. I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's you not many things that are better than or worse than season two of Double O. And right, I know they, purpose, they purposely left things open um, for the movie, especially that crap at the end where you see a lot of people around the world who just don't have natural colored hair, and um, it just makes you suspect that it might hey, be something else going on. The '80s so, were back. Yeah, the time. '80s are back, man. Freaking new color hair son. and jelly bracelets. <laughs> Punk is back, yo. <laughs> But um, Chris, what were your um, what were your what were your ideas of what the change in Double O? Totally get rid of season two. It's just the worst piece of crap ever. Oh my just, god, it's just it just sucks so bad in every way. It just got just the writing and this just there's no writing. It just sucks. It's just so terrible. Oh my god, it's just garbage. It's the worst <laughs> thing ever. So say the internet. So say we all. <laughs> wow, you're doing the so say we all, huh? <laughs> but at least according to them. But anyway, um, season two I enjoyed uh, almost as much as season one. There were a few things that um, I think I think could have changed. Uh, for one, in terms of um, the combat, there were some great fights in season two, but it almost seems like uh, there's a little bit too much combat in season two. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe people were complaining in Japan about season one being too slowly paced, and this was like attempting to compensate for that. If they were, they might have overdone it just a little bit. But not to an annoying level, but I think, uh, you know, they could have used a few less fights here and there. Uh, speaking of fights, I thought that uh, as enemies in combat, uh, the innovators were all utter disappointments. Yeah. And you could have spent more time, you know, using the known quantities that were good pilots like Graham and Ali and, and Soma rather than, uh, you know, these, these, these chumps who, you know, who, who talk a big game but deliver very little. Club yeah, that issues. was a little disappointing because, <laughs> you know, they're, they're even in their own customized suits and everything, and it's just yeah, like... but they suck. Yeah. They're, they're just trash. So I think the, they could have had uh, the innovators be... Either make the innovators better pilots or, you know, just had them not be in combat roles and leave the fighting to those who know how to do it. Maybe have them assigned as, like, the commanders of the squadrons or something, you know? Something, something like that. Yeah, it would make more sense. They certainly weren't Howard Mason level. They certainly weren't. Well, <laughs> well in some ways they were. 
Because they all kind of ended up like Howard Mason. Too soon. Dead. Too soon. (laughs) (laughs) No, in some cases, not soon enough. Yeah. Hilling. Oh, yeah, no no doubt there. Oh, my gosh. Um, Let's see, what else? What about the obvious? Less of Saji. Oh, Pizza Man, you know. Oh, God. (laughs) I I just learned to accept that he was just something that would... He's just... That Saji Crossroach... Yeah. It was just one of these things, that no matter how much you wished he would go away, he wouldn't, so just deal with it. He's like a rash. He's like yeah, a rash that won't go away. He's, he's herpes. Ooh, haters. He's herpes. <laughs> he basically is herpes. He's there. He won't go away. He may seem to disappear for a while, but in the end, he always comes back. That's why he's back up every so often. Stronger than ever. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the, the endless debate. This sort of relates to what I just said about the uh, some of the the, the ace characters. Uh, Graham kind of got a little bit of a short shrift in season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So did Ali a little bit, but uh, I, I know that supposedly you know Graham's uh, role was rewritten because of the movie. So apparently there's gonna be more of him in the movie. So I, I can know. understand some adjustments had to be made for um, for the movie. So, but even then, I think the the series as it ended uh, was just fine, even if there was gonna be no movie. Yeah. So, I I think one of the best things is you have one of the better final battles that like made a lot more sense and didn't have to be rushed. Like uh, we had talked in the past of you know like some of the shows in the Seed universe and even and even some shows um, in in past Gundams. You know they really had the ending thought out where you know final battles the second to last episode and you know and you know you have the the, the first half of uh, the last episode to kind of clean up everything and then a nice little epilogue so so aside from you know maybe just reducing the pace of some of the combat cutting maybe a couple of battles out that weren't quite so necessary um and and either losing the innovators or beefing up their skills i thought uh, season 2 was was fine overall season 1 was fine as is i don't have any any uh things i'd change about that and uh that's it for me all right, and I guess that will take us to our last um, show that we've talked about, or that we can even talk about right now. We did it um, a couple episodes ago as an, an a, a, a Gundam Roundup appendix, and that's uh, MS Igloo Two, uh, the Gravity Front, uh, which was basically the Federation side of uh, you know kind of what was from Igloo One. So, Chris, uh, your thoughts on Igloo Two? So, someone call uh, Dr. Venkman and the Ghostbusters. He's <laughs> <laughs> got some, some ghosts infesting this series, and they need, to be, uh, they need to be cleared out. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I never liked the whole um, like God of Death ghost thingamajig. Yeah, it seemed because unnecessary. Because it was never quite clear if it was some kind of like, is it some kind of weird quasi-new type type thing? Uh, is it some shared battlefield hallucination? Is is this just the the personification of what soldiers see when they die, when you know their life is flashing before their eyes, and you know the end is right there before them, or is this really just some weird ghost that's just hanging around? Yeah, I think the stories would have worked just fine because they were pretty good stories. Would have worked just fine um, without the weird ghost stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they kind of had, which I thought was a little interesting, was the the rotating protagonist. <laughs> as opposed to um, the first igloo, the rotating guest star. Yeah, because <laughs> there's there's nobody that uh, that really sticks through things aside from uh, that that dick 
uh, Colonel or whoever he was. He's in all three episodes. That that really overly pretty looking annoying guy. Yeah, Koromata or whatever his name was. Yeah. He's the only link between all three episodes. And the Shinigami. Yeah, and the Shinigami. Well, I'm talking about real people. Uh, well, <laughs> is it? It was never established if it wasn't real. Well, I mean him. I know. Anyway, um, you know, it was nice to see uh, ground combat where, you know, the Federation's just making do without mobile suits because, you know, before the gajillions of retcons, there was a time in the one-year war when the Federation had zero mobile suits and had to just <laughs> fight the old-fashioned way. Yeah. So it was nice to see that, you know, that they were trying to take down Zaku's with, you know, like anti-tank missiles and um, with tanks and stuff like that. And then finally at the end, the crappy gun tank actually gets to be worth something for a while. Oh, it's not oh. the true. It's not the true gun tank. Oh, oh better. It, no, it was not better. better. It's not better. not blue and red with an open canopy top. <laughs> That's the way you go into battle. Where everyone can see you. Didn't have Hayato in it, so it doesn't count, huh? Oh. <laughs> By the same token, though... Um, I'd rather have Hayato than Ryu. <laughs> the thing about the, the rotating protagonist, it was kind of a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, it showed you that just because people are the characters in the story, they're not invincible. Yeah. Right. On the other hand, because it was Igloo, you expected it to happen every time. Predictability. Yeah. It's totally predictable. It's like... I didn't, you know, the first time when I watched the first episode and this guy Barberry was there, I thought, hey, this guy's pretty cool. He's kind of an interesting character. He's an older guy. He's, you know, he's got issues, blah, 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 blah. And then Poofy dies. I I was like, oh, that's what they're going to do. They're just going to kill the main character every episode. I was kind of hoping (laughs) that you would see him progress. Like, he would be kind of like maybe the Oliver, but in a different way where he'd progress. And maybe by the last last scene or the last episode, he's, you know, given a a GM or something. You know, it would have... Would have been nice. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Igloo 2 kind of has its own Federation version of, of Oliver. They got this guy, uh, Surat, mm-hmm. who uh, he survives episode 2, but then you don't see him again. Yeah. He, he, he knew to get the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's like, I think he realized hanging about these creepy people with a death wish probably isn't a good idea. Man. Well, That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. The, the thing about these three, uh, these three characters in his episodes is um, they all just are just really, really creepy people with a death wish, which kind of makes them all the same. The only difference is the circumstance of how they are. So I think I would have diversified that a little bit more. The, yeah. my, my big change would be the fact that it's still, they weren't, you, you thought like in the first igloo, they, they kind of show the, the, the side of the, the Zeon as being like real people and stuff. But like you said, in this one, the Federation can't have real people. You know, just all their guys are all screwed up or they have some type of death wish or, you know, there's something about But them at least that, they didn't feel like Earth Alliance evil like an Igloo. Right. They, they, kind yeah. of, they kind of swung the pendulum back a little bit in the direction of the way the Federation used to be shown as, you know, more balanced. But it, it's And still- also because it wasn't from the Zeon perspective, it wasn't like massive Nazi propaganda. But but I, I, I think I would have rather seen more of the original balance yeah. of the Federation. Cause, Some actual normal people. Yeah, because it, it, it definitely... Because after seeing the first Igloos, you're like, wow, you know, this is... Uh, e- even this has kind of got the Xeon in a better look, a better light than the Federation. <laughs> yeah, you know? they still look more heroic because in the Federation you got this guy Surat, who's pretty much the only normal guy. Yeah. You get a bunch of psychos with death wishes. And you got chumps like this guy Koromata. Yeah. So, but Solbro, what would you uh, do on Igloo Two? You guys pretty much knocked all the points out the park. Uh, the biggest thing I I would have liked to change, of course, is uh, the personification of Death being in there. That whole supernatural 
aspect of it just wasn't I just wasn't feeling and I would have liked to seen a consistent cast um, like the original Igloo you know people who we can grow to like and grow to know and you know there's going to be the sacrificial lamb every episode I mean I guess that's that's part of the whole Igloo tradition but you know it's been nice to see some you know, real consistent characters that we gave a damn about and um, you didn't even get the chance to get to know these characters that you know pretty much are destined to die and that's the biggest flaw I see in the show to be honest and I'd like to I'd just like there to be just, you know, people that we can grow to know, and, and, you know, if they do die, then we give a damn. So, that's just me. Well, I guess that uh, takes care of what we would change so far of all the Gundams that have been released. Um, I know there's some stuff slated, and I'm sure we'll tackle it in the future. I know there, there's um, the show that exists but doesn't exist, uh, Unicorn. In our uh, in our timeline here, and the Gundam Double O movie, and of course, one of these days, I'm sure. What was it, Chris? Uh, you said that Solbro uh, jumped on the bandwagon on Facebook with, uh, you know, please get the Gundam C movie into production. What? Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there should be a petition. Yeah. And now you next thing you're gonna say we're gonna have a Gundam a Gundam uh, roundup on SD Gundam Fours because I asked for it. I'll have to slap you both. Sure, let's do that. <laughs> Hell no. I don't, have um, a problem. I don't have a problem with SD Gundam Force. <laughs> I sat through Destiny. Oh, man. And I, I, will sit through, I, will, I will sit through SD Gundam. I've seen a lot of SD Gundam Force. Let's do it. I have, I have, I have a permit for violence. Okay. <laughs> never know. I need to get permission for violence. I will, yeah. let's, let's do it with the violence. Yeah. There's also the what the Gundam Evolves and the, uh, the actual SD, original SD Gundam shorts as well. So you never know. We might talk about those someday. But or never, or never. So, but I guess that will finish us up here, and I'm sure this is something we'll be handling in the future, and we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. You see us uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say, "You're lying, George." Oh, uh, hey you, get your damn hands off her. You really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. AAAPodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you.
say, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every goddamn word I have to say! This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and this is the seventh and final installment of Macross Roundup. This time uh, we're discussing Macross Zero, the uh, 20th anniversary OAB series first released in 2002. And uh, as with previous roundups, we won't get too much into story details, but uh, basically it's a, it's a prequel to the original series uh, set one year before the start of uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross. And it's a story of um, the continuing fight between the um, UN forces and the anti-UN forces, which was kind of outlined in the original series a bit. And they're both after this uh, relic from the protoculture, the Birdman, and... Um, You've got a whole bunch of new characters along with uh, Roy Fokker making a return and uh, piloting uh, Valkyrie once again and, and kicking some ass. And the um, series is rather notable for having a very long release schedule where you'd have to wait about six months between episodes, which was um, kind of not fun, but uh, you know, it sure was pretty. So it was a five-episode show and um, you know, Prairie pretty typical size for an OAV, so uh, with that sort of brief summary out of the way, uh, I'll kick it to Solbro. Why don't you give us uh, your comments on uh, Macross Zero? Oh, Macross Zero. Actually, um, I... Um, I you mean s- Robotech Zero, right? Well, Robotech <laughs> Zero, as, as the Robotech fans would love it to be. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I saw Macross... <laughs> I saw Macross Zero back when the first OVA dropped a couple years ago. I saw the first two episodes... Uh, when they were released and then um i fell off i fell off because the release schedule as chris mentioned beforehand was so delayed i just i lost interest and um i just finally i watched the final three episodes some time ago couldn't remember them i I, maybe i fell asleep i wasn't sure but then i watched (laughs) them again this morning and um as pretty as the show looks it's kind of almost like a uh a practice run for what Frontier came to be, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but when it comes to in what the, way, um, the way the way the show, the look of the show, the character designs, CGI. the CGI implemented into the um the battle scenes. It was the first Macross where I guess um all the all the fight scenes were primarily CGI, um, and um they look gorgeous. I I gotta say that if there's anything to watch the series for are the dog fights because um the way they they have the me- the mechas transform in mid flight um the stunts that they do and all the uh, all the all the spam missiles that people oh, yeah. are dodging incredible that's that's what you you come to love in macross and uh it's definitely captured in zero but uh when it comes to story and when it comes to just the characters it was cool to see roy again it didn't make sense to me that he was hooking up with that scientist chick but um we'll get into that i'm sure in a little bit but um well she dies she so, does die I mean, but he will get with claudia so yeah, he will eventually he'll get with claudia but since it takes place a year beforehand it kind of threw me off but well, I, I guess you know he's drama a happened player in between. roy's a player he, he doesn't big, he, is, he doesn't he doesn't have to mourn too long well he's always been big pimping so yeah. you know <laughs> 
and he got <laughs> some of the jungle love. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He so. loves to switch it. But um, no, I mean for the most part, it really was just something to pass time. I I I thought it was I thought it was cool. But then again, you know, Shoji Kawamori, he's he's a, he's he loves his uh his stories about you know nature, and he always has a new age a new age twist to his stories, and um, it's definitely prevalent in this. Um, but before I ramble on. I thought it was okay. If anybody anybody likes Matt Cross, you should definitely check it out, especially since Roy makes that big cameo. But um, you know, it's uh, it's, it's, it's more cool. than a cameo. More oh, a cameo. Yeah. He's he's one of the supporting. Main, yeah, supporting he's one of the characters. main guys. He is one, one of the, the main guys. He's there every episode. He is. He is, he is, he is consistently <laughs> in the show. He's not just there. He's not just there chilling in the background, <laughs> smoking and you know, slapping asses, <laughs> giving the thumbs up. Although he kind of does that too. He does that. He does that with 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 vigor. But um, other than that, uh, Shin was a Shin was a you know a cool lead. Shin Shin um, Kudo, I believe, he, he was an okay lead, but he didn't have much to do. Uh, ran around <laughs> the jungle a lot. <laughs> Got beat up but, by girls. But um, before I go on, I thought it was it was okay, and I'll pass it to Neil to give his um, <laughs> no uh, <laughs> to, to no give his soul bro guarantee for that. Uh, no, for no, no soul bro guarantee. Soul bro guarantee of mediocrity. Yes. <laughs> But go ahead, Neil. It's um, all yours. Yeah, I was watching it, and I actually suffered through those long, um, those long breaks between uh, episode releases. And um, you know, I, I guess probably the the best thing about it is there wasn't too much that progressed in the story of each episode. So it, even if you uh, started to forget like the previous episode, and it took six months later for it to come out, you weren't missing too much. Um, yeah, it is pretty. I mean, it's the the first the opening sequence, the first uh, dogfight that you see when the um, uh, when the anti UN forces come out and they just waste that squadron of um, fighters. It's just pretty um, pretty nice and animation holds up pretty well. But yeah, I guess I'm in the same kind of boat. I mean, um, you know, the dogfights are pretty. Uh, it's nice to see Roy again. It's nice to see Roy drunk again because yeah. he almost fell off the side of the carrier. Oh, yeah. um, but yeah, a little too much tree hugging. A uh, little. I w- the one thing that I had a problem with was I was kind of confused, like what the motivation of the anti UN forces were. I know they wanted the artifact, but it's they never re- they never even really said anything that I can remember why they were fighting each other. It seemed to me they, like they didn't. All the only reason they they kind of wanted it was because that old scientist Hasford was with them. But it's like. Well, why was he with them? It's yeah, like, that's rather than say like the UN. So, and and it and it didn't make sense. I mean, you would think that what's maybe what two minutes of dialogue? You bring in the <laughs> Robotech narrator; he can go in and he can say, you know, give the background of the war or something. And and then Roy took a dump in the forest while eating a sandwich <laughs> and reading the newspaper. Yeah, and it was tough because he had cheese the night before, and you know, but um, seems- he had nothing to wipe with because <laughs> he had. The- <laughs> it seemed like the whole Raiders of the Lost Ark thing where, you know, it's like we're going to bring this, we're going to put this thing together so that we we can harness its power and, and use it for our own gain. And, yeah. and, of course, it turns on them. And, and you know, who couldn't see that coming? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I mean, you got a prequel and at least you think you would just get a little bit of a background of the of the war between this, you and Spacey and uh, the anti-UN forces and you really didn't. Um, yeah, Shin was okay. I mean, he... You know, he he was he was decent. The poor his poor co-pilot that you thought was I thought he was killed, and then he came back. What the token the token black man who just keeps coming back from the grave? Yeah, you thought he got killed in the initial attack, and then was he come back like the end of episode two or um, 
uh, no, he didn't get killed, but no, but you it, should you should think that he did. You you did, and, and then you're surprised when he comes back. Uh, well, he actually mentions that though his last appearance yeah. when he shows up to give him flight clearance at the end, he says, "You thought I you thought I was dead, didn't you?" <laughs> he tells him, "You better come back to sign my cast because you know he got he got so effed up that he broke his leg." But I yeah, mean, I was shocked to see him again. The final battle was cool, but it was just kind of a lot of stuff going on. Um, I don't really know what even what the resolution that came out of it. You know, you see the um, the two the two it baddies. Ended. Yeah, it ended. You see the two baddies get it pretty nasty, Dee Dee and uh, Nora, and they get it pretty bad. Um, and then you know, like we said before, a lot of the the bird humans and a lot a lot of the uh, markings on them were kind of like the Vajra. So I guess this is. Like you said, that maybe the test bed for other than you know the the look and and the way they were doing the um, frontier cinematically, it was probably you know something just to kind of tie it in to. So I guess the Vajra didn't look as uh, foreign to us as as we thought, but it doesn't really matter anyways. But um, I'm a little bit above. I think it's okay. It's it's never it's not one of those shows that I'm going to go back and watch all the time, but I will watch it every so often. And, um, you know, I, I think if, if you enjoy Macross and once again, this is another way of, of watching it. And, you know, the good thing is, is it's only five episodes. So it does kind of drag in the middle when it gets really kind of, um, naturistic and all that, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's not too bad, but. But tell us about Robotech, sir. <laughs> what do you think of this, this prequel, this Robotech Zero? Robotech Zero, huh? The, with this, uh this uh, artifact that was sent by the Robotech Masters as an advanced scout of Earth because they were looking for uh, Zor's battle fortress and then this thing just kind of was chilling there. And yeah, that's it. And it, and it contains protoculture, which is slash uh, fuel, computer, um, trippy technology, drug. trippy drug. Culture. Um, you know, culture. <laughs> what else? Um, you know, Pizza. <laughs> pizza. <laughs> bagel bits or bagel yes. bites but delicious so, yeah so i mean that that's really all i can i don't have much more to say about macross zero really than that so i guess it's up to you now chris to well before i get into things like the story and the characters uh one thing that um kind of annoys me you obviously see in this series that they use um lots of uh cg for the mecha combat and that doesn't mm-hmm. bother me i'm not one of these people who uh you know, just like blindly, just hate CG in every instance ever. Right. You know, CG for me is fine as long as it looks good. Right. And it does look good in this show. It looks really good for its time. Oh yeah. And it still holds up pretty well. There's also nice uh, traditional animation for some of the mecha in some scenes, mm-hmm. which therein lies in my problem. There's both. Yeah. Yeah. It really annoys me the inconsistency where sometimes you see like Valkyries and other mecha shown as CG, and then like in the very next shot, they're traditional animation. Yeah. You're gonna do one, stick to one. Yeah. You're gonna do the other, stick to the other. Don't mix and match them because that just really is. It just kind of bugged me every time I would see it on screen. You know. I don't have a particular preference. They both look nice, but I just wish they would have picked one and run with it. Yeah. I don't, and I don't understand why it is that they kept doing that, because I've never seen, like, you know, in a mecha show where if they do one or the other, that's just what they do. It's one or the other. I don't, you don't usually see mixing and matching of both. You think it might have been uh, budget constraints or anything along the lines of that? I, I don't know. I mean, 
<laughs> given given that they spent six months animating each episode, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if budget constraints would be a, a term I'd use. Yeah, it wasn't like they were trying to get it out quickly. That's true. Yeah, this wasn't some OIB that they just like crapped out like really fast. You certainly you certainly can't say that they um, cut corners on this OIB. I think. I don't know, maybe it's just a stylistic choice of Kawamori. Who knows? But whatever the reason for it is, it just annoys me. Kind of, it kind of takes me out of the um, the scene a little bit every time that happens because there are some scenes where, in one shot, something is CG yeah. or vice versa, and it switches to the other in the very next shot. Just a little distracting. Yeah, it is. Also, uh, one thing uh, that's uh, of a small note um, for the Blu-ray version that came out in Japan, there's a Blink and you miss it retcon where they inserted uh, Cheryl's earrings into the show. Oh, really? Really? Yes. Oh. There's there's a scene in um, in episode one where um, Sarah is battling about technology to Mao, and Mao runs over and points to a picture of their of them with their parents, saying, "Oh, if you know some white man hadn't come with technology, we wouldn't have this picture." And the picture's on a little stand with some candles. And inserted right in between the candles are the two earrings sitting there. Oh man, dang! Ooh, yeah. The plot, but that's thickens. only on that's that's for the uh, the Blu-ray box set that came out. I think about a year ago. That won't be on the Robotech Zero box set that we get here. Oh, I don't think so. So, um, Macro Zero, I thought was uh, enjoyable, but it's not without its problems. Yeah. Uh, for one, Shin as um, as a as a hero, he's he's kind of dull. Yeah, he doesn't do much. It's like, yeah, okay, he was traumatized by, um, you know, seeing his parents killed during the uh, the wars and all of that, but he's just one of these, he's just kind of there, and he's emotionless, and, you know, he doesn't really do much. As, as, as was mentioned before, you know, he just spends a lot of time running throughout the forest. Right. He's either getting shot down <laughs> or running through the forest. Those are the two main things he's doing in this series. Yeah, he gets shot down a lot. A whole lot. He did. He, I think he got shot down so much that it would make Hikaru feel better about getting shot down so much. Well, well, well the thing is, is Hikaru... Because he got shot down a lot in a very short span of time. Yeah, but Hikaru, if you, if you average out per episode, I mean, it, it's not that bad. He's had 36 episodes. It would make sense. Yeah. This guy only this had five. Guy shot like three times in five episodes. Yeah. yeah. flight, man. <laughs> and he got painted up. He got shot down with paint, too. Yeah, Ooh. he did. That's right. And tripped. And tripped. And all this other stuff, so... Um, he's he's you know he's just one of these guys who's kind of there, so he doesn't stick out much as as a lead character. I mean, even even Alto sticks out more, mm-hmm. man, as as a main character than this guy does. And um, you know, as far as Sarah, the the heroine of the show, um, just this, I just really don't like her too much because she's this annoying Sundere island hick who's yeah. always babbling about her superstitions and Kadun's this and Kadun's that and Kadun, 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 Kadun and technology, white men, bleh. <laughs> It's like, okay, we can see here in this series who is the mouthpiece for, you know, Shoji Kawamori's hippie new age tree hugging. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and it just never stops. Yeah, it doesn't. So it's, Ooh, the white man and they brought the technology and their cartoons and uh, song of destruction and uh, Birdman. It's like, oh my God, shut up! You gotta love that little um, Arjuna commercial that's in the show towards the end of the show. <laughs> also, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it's actually towards the beginning. And that, it, that, oh, it, that's, oh, that's right. It was in the beginning as well. Yeah, because by the end everything's blown up. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> 
So, yeah, it was just annoying, like, oh my god, this freaking woman going on about her stupid, dumb island hick mysticism and superstitions. Like, just shut up. Oh. Your sister is much nicer than you are and not as annoying. Yeah, which is funny because she's the younger one. Yeah. Usually the younger one's more annoying than the older one. Um, what else uh, did I have to think about this series? Um, you know, the, the, the whole lore of, of the Birdman... It's kind of couched more in, in the mysticism aspect of it rather than um, a little bit more of the scientific, like explaining, you know, that this is something from the protoculture. Yeah. And I don't know if this is like one of those annoying types of retcons, but the fact that in this show they have, you know, this old man who has this protoculture theory that some alien culture came and intervened in humanity's development, it just seems kind of... Um, Surprising because in the original series, when you know Hikaru and Misa and all these people first hear about protoculture, they're totally surprised. Yeah. yeah. About it, and um, you know, when they get back to the ship, and you know, Roy obviously doesn't mention anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's true. But, you know, Kamori said when he was going into the series that he wasn't too concerned about continuity, and that's obvious. But yeah. This just seems like one of those those things that get slipped in. Like, wait, how did these people know about this one? They didn't know about that. So, it's not too annoying, but it's just one of those things that sticks out. If you know, if you've seen the original series, um, I think that the story went okay for the most part until, say, the last episode, where things just kind of sped up a little bit too much, and uh, there were just some things that happened that um, kind of had me scratching my head. For one, you know, they go through great lengths. Um, throughout the whole show to establish these two rivalries, one between Fokker and his old instructor Ivanov, and the other between Shin and Nora, to only in the end have both of them get wasted by the Birdman. Yeah, I know. I didn't understand that either. And uh, what was it? Episode 5 was the one with the big explosion, right? Yeah. With the, uh, four. Or 4. And, you know, that was a cliffhanger. And then it's like, I don't know, the last couple episodes, it seemed like they were doing them on cliffhangers. And... It just seemed like everything got sped up so quickly. Yeah, yeah like, it's like you episode five. You see, like a bunch of stuff has happened since yeah. that explosion, and they show it to you like very fast paced, like like a couple of shots, like this happened, this happened, this happened, and then now we're here. It makes you wonder, like you know, couldn't they maybe have squeezed another episode? If I don't know, it just didn't. It is true though. I, I do kind of agree with you that the last, I'd say probably the last like episode and and a half is a little. Yeah, because. You know, the pacing had sped up in the third episode and, you know, things were pretty tense and then it slows down a lot in the fourth episode just to then speed up again a lot in the fifth. Yeah. Pacing's rather uneven there. It is. It's like they could have ended it with um they could have ended it with them getting captured, you know, like the Those... look that they showed you at the beginning of five, they can end it four with that. But I guess they exactly. wanted to end it on a, on on the nukes going off instead and... or even in the credits, you know. Jeez. But, um, you know, show it in the credits. True. Yeah. So in the end, those two rivalries seem kind of wasted since, um, since, you know, since both those people got wasted by the Birdman and not their human opponents. And especially in the case of um, you know, Fokker and Ivanov, because these guys, you, know, you can see that there's bad blood between them and you know, having the former instructor-student relationship yeah. was interesting, as well as seeing you know, one of the few cases where Fokker's actually struggling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can definitely see that in this one. Because, you know, in the original series and in Daryl, you know, he's the instructor, senior, senpai type. Whereas here, it's the opposite. Yeah. 
and you see him having a hard time with Ivanov, and he's really got to stay on his toes because this is the guy who taught him. So, like, wow, the guy who taught Roy Fokker, how good is he? Exactly. But in the end, it all comes to naught because this guy gets himself blown up quite nastily, I might add. I guess they both yeah, got they both up. they both got pretty. That was a, that was a pretty nasty death for both of them. Yeah, both Nora and uh, Didi. Ivanov especially. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, you see him get literally blown to bits. Not just his his Ooh. Valkyrie, but uh, his body. Like you see, like eyeballs flying out and faces blowing up. It's like, oh damn. Still not as funny as Kakazaki though. And Daryl. No man. That's still that's still got the, the that's still the funniest <laughs> body <laughs> blowing <laughs> up. <laughs> And <laughs> never get to finish it. Mr. and Mrs. Kakazaki, here's your UN Spacey flag and a half-eaten porterhouse. <laughs> I hope it was at least a Kobe steak, given <laughs> given that he died for it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. The last meal. But um, I had I had something else that... Uh, oh, another question I had is they were talking about how they uh, kind of back reverse-engineered the technology from the SDF-1 for... You know, for the Valkyries, it seemed like it was done very quickly, like in about a year or so, wasn't it? The no, I mean, because there's 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 about ten years between okay the, uh, the crash. The crash is in 1999, and this show is in 2008. So okay, that's right. So, all right, I was I think I was a little confused. So there. they had a lot more time. They, they I I thought it was less time, but then I, I when when Chris had mentioned it took place in 08, I was like, wow, oh yeah, that's right. So they they had plenty of time to reverse engineer it. It looks like, but. Although it was also rather odd that the anti-UN um, had the same thing. Suddenly has transforming fighters when it was supposed to be such a big deal that the UN developed them. So it's like, where did, where did these guys get this stuff? And then they're claiming that the UN stole it from them. So who was developing this stuff? Yeah. Oh, Kawamori. And it wasn't in the original series. It was a secret that the except to the pilots what the um what the Valkyries yeah. could do uh, yeah. until the Zentradi attacked I mean or you know when the SDF1 activated that's when they had to use them so um yeah I, that was another thing that kind of confused me a little bit but you know oh well it shows you Kawamori though so it's awesome you know as long as he did it I'm you know I'm happy and how dare you say anything ill about it Chris I I know I'm 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 a I'm a Robotech heathen but um what did you guys think of the Love triangle per se, and could could this even be called a love triangle in 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 this series? <laughs> um, I think it's because Shin's so unremarkable that you just don't get the same feeling that you get in the past love triangles. I, I mean, yeah, there was you know uh, the the infatuation with everyone with Maya and all that, and you know cause she's a younger girl, and then you know of course the cold older sister finally. You know, she finally lets down her guard and that, but um, I really didn't think about it, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it didn't do much for me because, yeah. uh, you know, okay, so you got, you know, Mao having, obviously she's got the hots for Shin, and uh, he's just kind of there, and Sarah's a total tsundere, and then suddenly in the fourth episode, she lets down her guard yeah. for a few minutes, you know, after, like, all of the bitchiness and trying to kill Shin with a freaking, uh, oh, yeah. The freaking machete. Yeah. Put a mill on him. <laughs> and um, suddenly now it's like she lets on her guard a little bit, and suddenly, like literally within five minutes, they're just lovey dovey. Yeah. It it just seems like they put it in there just to say that they have it. Like you know, it's like oh, it's a Macross show. We're known for you know transforming fighters and love triangles. We'll just put a love triangle here, but 
it just doesn't really do much. Yeah, there's just well, there's certain elements that you have to have in every Macross. You got to have the love triangle to some degree, whether it's really developed or whether it's even resolved. Or from now, if you've noticed, ever since seven, um, transforming purple enemies. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that's that's it's become it's it's become like like one of Macross's cliches, you know, sort of like the 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 red ace in Gundam. You got to have the the uh, the purple ace in Macross. No, it's uh, the red rival in Gundam and the purple problem in uh, Macross. <laughs> hey, you got it starting in seven with uh, the Veruda. They have mm-hmm. all those those purple mechas, you know, sucking all that spiritia. In uh, zero, you've got um, the SV fifty one, and then of course in um, in zero, the uh, the VF twenty seven. Yep. Which kind of you can sort of see a design similarity between the VF twenty seven and the uh, the SV fifty one. Yeah, definitely. There definitely is that there, but yeah, I, I would say back to the love triangle. Love triangle in name only, or in <laughs> scenes only, <laughs> nothing else. I got to say the same thing. They really didn't concentrate too much on it, and didn't really make it compelling. I, even the um, the love triangle in Macross two, you know, there was some, there was a little bit of weight to it. <laughs> I, I, this one, it just seemed like one girl had a crush, the other girl was playing hard to get, and then you got the guy in the middle who you don't really give too much you don't really care too, too much where, about yeah where which which direction he goes the uh, the one saving grace though is mal who's really likable and um i'm glad she got um she makes a cameo in or she she shows back up again in macross frontier she's well, the, the one character I, in that series i did like a lot i almost get the impression that like they were afraid i i think in some ways they probably wanted to just do a prequel with roy but i, I think because like you said they wanted to keep the whole thing with the love triangle and all this other stuff that and the purple you know the purple problem and all this other things that maybe it you know it's, they just kind of forced it in there like i don't know i think it would have worked i don't think so because uh Kawamori has reported to to have the attitude of not liking to um like dredge up old characters too much and when he's brought back old characters from the original series they're always in supporting roles like you know, if you look at seven you know he introduces a whole new cast and then pairs them up with Max and, and Milia and, and Exodol. So, you know, they're there, but they're not in the spotlight. Yeah, but so, the, the, the problem that I got, though, is at least in 7, you know, Basra and them, they, they, you know, they had a presence. And Shin just didn't have anything. It's like, it, almost to a thing, it's like, what would... If I think it, that's just more the way the, the, the character of Shin was developed rather than any sort of, like, corporate mandate of... Well, I'm not okay. saying I'm not saying a corporate mandate, but I, I think it would have I think it would have been more enjoyable if you just kind of if Shin became the supporting guy and it was just more about Roy. <laughs> I mean, like to be Roy, honest with you, you just want more. But the problem is, um, as it is with any prequel, um, if Roy was the main character, there's no sense of danger with him. Yeah, true. It's true. You know, he's not going to die there. But you know, and of course, the little like mini romance of him and that chick Ares. You know that's not going to go anywhere because she just has to die so he can get back with Claudia. And lo and behold, they make sure that happens. Yeah, of course. And what did you think of the um, the uh, the magical ending where Shin and Sarah just uh, vamoose with uh, the Birdman into space? I just hit stop on the <laughs> DVD player. <laughs> I just hit stop on the media player. The mystery ending. It, yeah, it's just yeah. I was I was a little miffed about that to be honest. I I, I was kind of hoping to see maybe you know like. Maybe a minute after that, like maybe Roy going over to uh, you know the SDF one, like getting reassigned, and you see it kind of still sitting there on the island, all redone in CG, and 
and you know that would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. would have been nice. Oh, here's something else uh, that 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 kind of that still bothers me to this day. Mm-hmm. You mentioned him earlier, the token black man Edgar Lasalle. Yeah, yeah. Lasalle. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Exactly. Oh no way! So he is related to. Uh... Well, they you would kind of think that given that you know he's a black dude and his last name is Lasalle, but never in the show do they mention how he's related to Claudia, if at all. Yeah. And you certainly don't see Roy commenting on it. You think he would? Another, but um, also, as far as I know, never in any book or any reference guide since then have they mentioned if there's any connection between them or not. Because it seemed to be such a big deal when this character was announced. Like, oh, this guy's name is Edgar Lasalle, and then number one, the guy never does anything. Yeah. Other than shot down, (laughs) he gets shot down a lot and not die. And two, they never explain. It's like, is this her brother? Is it a cousin? Is it just some random dude? Yeah, she never talked name. about her family and in, in Macross that I can remember. You know, He's, everybody, everybody else kind of intimated that they had family members and stuff. You know, except for like Roy and all that. But you know, yeah, it's, it's maybe it's just one of those things to get get the fans talking. So, are you saying that if this was Robotech Zero, he'd be he'd be Vince Grant? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd be Another her. magical, a magical relative of um of Claudio. And then they'd have to do Robotech re the Macross Saga remastered, remastered. Oh no way! Where, where she uh she she would talk like in the first couple episodes. Yes, my brother, <laughs> who who was part of the Veritech Zero project. Or yeah, or the, yeah. <laughs> one last thing for me, uh, and since obviously this is one of the big elements of Macross, uh, the music. It was good. I thought it was cool, actually. I I I, I didn't have too much, um, I, you know, the actual vocal tracks. I, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of, but the actual score was pretty pretty thrilling, actually. For me, um, aside from the uh, the music used in in the um, in the battle scenes, yeah, the soundtrack for this series didn't really stick out too much for me, yeah. including yeah. the vocals. Yeah, I would I would agree. I th- I think it was good, but if it if it wasn't a Macross show. I think it'd be fine. Yeah. But since you have such high standards from yeah. all the previous shows, it's like it's not bad. But nah. I'll put it this way: it's it's not something I listen to. I always listen to the soundtracks for all of the other shows. Oh yeah. But I don't listen to this one. It's not bad. It just doesn't. It doesn't really stand out compared to you know the others. So if it was just if this was a soundtrack used like you said on some other show, it'd be great. But mm-hmm. in the vein of Macross, it doesn't exactly measure up. And uh, maybe as our our last thing here on this show, um, you know, since this show was kind of produced in a vacuum, you know, seven years ago, and didn't quite know, you know, if Macross would be touching upon the things from this uh, this series again, uh, it was kind of surprising that they made all these connections in Frontier. So what did you think of? all of the later connections and explanations in Frontier relating to Zero. I, I think if you've seen Zero, it was nice to see that. I mean, I, when, it, when I f- was watching Frontier, I you know, it was like, oh, wow, you know, and it, it made me kind of go back and, and look at some of the stuff in Zero. But, you know, if you never saw Zero, I don't think you'd really know. <laughs> you'd be confused, you know, just like anything else. So, Like I mentioned before, I did like the, uh, the connection to Mal. And the fact that she moved on to become a scientist that um you know that that further um investigated the uh, the Robotech Institute of Protoculture. Yes indeed, yes indeed. That and of course the uh, the infamous episode where the cast of Frontier they rec- they they do that reenactment for uh, what happened during Zero. Well so they did I, a movie. It, it, they made that 
that movie. Yeah. So it, it looks like um, it looks like it's now public knowledge about what happened <laughs> during that time. But um, uh, you know, other than that, it, it's like an added bonus. If you yeah. saw Zero when you watched Frontier, it was all enjoyable. I couldn't remember how the um, how Zero ended by the time I watched Frontier, so um, some of it was lost on me. You know, but uh, other than that, when I went back and watched Zero. You know, a lot. Of, I did laugh at a few of the things that they did. That did that that did um, show up in Frontier, and I did find that kind of fun. So that's about it for me on this. So. Same here. No Soulboro guarantee for uh, Macross Zero. If anything, if you're a Macross fan like we are, you should check it out. I think you should. I think to sum up my thoughts, I would say it's 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 a pretty good OAV. Um, it's got great combat, some good music. You get to see Roy again. Um, it certainly could have used some better development of characters, um, less of the trademark uh, Kawamori um, New Age hippieism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, True. A little bit more explanation of its own story. It didn't have to be, you know, a a sequel, a prequel that perfectly fits in to, um, you know, the Macross canon. But I think it should have at least um, made a bit more sense, sense on its own yeah. as its own thing. And as it stands, you know, there's just some things that really don't make sense. Like we mentioned, like, you know, the the professor working with the NTUN and the NTUN having transforming fighters and all that stuff. So it should have just been a little bit more internally consistent, even just forget about the rest of the franchise. But still worth watching, especially since, you know, uh, it, it does play a, a surprisingly big role in, uh, in Frontier's mythos. So it's worth watching, but... Um, not, I would say, the, the best of Macross, but certainly not the worst either. Cool. And um, with that, uh, the 5,000-part uh, <laughs> Macross Roundup series ends. Next uh, time, we're, we're going to start doing Frontier all over again, episode by episode. Nice. No. Nice. To, to extend this for another 25 parts. Oh, God, no. Oh, man, Alto all over again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Unresolved love triangle. I can't wait. Yeah. You're, you're both my wings. Yay. Like well, it's at some point in the future we'll, we'll probably be having a detached Macross Roundup returning for the uh, the Frontier movies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I do look forward to that. Don't don't expect that for a very long time. <laughs> I hope they I hope they uh, resolve things as vague and uh, you know as like, they always like, do. Yeah. You know what? Why not just make it even vaguer than it was before? Exactly. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Or they should just try to uh, use the storytelling genius of Shadow Chronicles, since <laughs> that's the superior entry, right? Ooh. Yeah. Most favorite. <laughs> not, not, nothing like doo-doo on disc. Okay. So with that, that ends uh, Macross Roundup officially, and you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Let us do no such goddamn thing. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Go away, Todd. If you want to come in, you are
break down the Gun. damn door. All right, welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining us on episode 44 of uh, Gundam at MHQ, and uh, actually going to be the last episode of 2009, and it's kind of a wrap-up episode as we basically knocked out two t- uh, two ongoing series that we've had uh, in the last couple of shows. Um, we finished up the Macross Roundup with doing both uh, all of the OVAs from Macross 7, which was Encore plus Galaxy's Calling Me, Dynamite 7. Uh, then we also finished up later on at the end of the show with Macross Zero. In betwe- sandwiched in between of that was the uh, three-episode s- uh, series that we had going on, what we would change in Gundam going decade by decade, the first one being, of course, the 70s and 80s, the second one being the 90s, and then the first decade of the 2000s from everything from 2001 to 2009. So um, any parting Shots or comments, Chris or Solbro, before we get on with um, some of the contact information? Buy our crap. Buy our crap. And, and buy it often. Yes. <laughs> and buy large quantities of it. Use your parents' credit card if you need to. Yes, definitely check out our sponsors, uh, Petco. And hide this uh, hide this statements for at least uh, a month and a half. <laughs> Steal your parents' credit cards or your friends or your bosses or somebody's, but just buy, 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 buy. Yes. Provi- buy Pro- until you can't buy anymore. <laughs> Provide your dog. You know you thing. need new URLs. <laughs> until until you've created so much debt that you'll have a credit score of zero. Yes. Hey. But you have 14 tons of dog food. Nice. Nice. And chew toys. Yes. <laughs> and kitty litter. But yes. And you can resell that dog food to buy yourself out of out of slavery and debtor prison. <laughs> yes. Nice. Or you could or you can cyber squad on a bunch of URLs. That's true. That's true. That can be quite profitable. Can be quite <laughs> profitable, as we saw in the early nineties. But um, <laughs> check out our sponsors, GoDaddy and um and Petco, and also peep these websites: mahq.net, the Mecca and Anime Headquarters, where the magic happens every day. Um, it sucks. Oh, I'm sure it does. That's a rousing endorsement. The M boards are better at 4chan. <laughs> Absolutely. Also yes. check out the official um, forums of mahq.net, and um, also you'll that find place sucks too. You'll mm-hmm. find out. You'll M- find the forums. The M boards. Just nothing but UC fanboys mm-hmm. <laughs> all, all over the place. Yeah. Um, also, you'll find the um, the forums for um, X for Gundam there as well. It's mechatalk.net, and also we uh, want to definitely peep out our website gundam.net, where the latest info on the episodes are posted. Um, and liner notes and whatnot. The latest, there. oldest news you'll ever see. You will. You will. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can also find our other links to Facebook, MySpace, Spill.com, and on that website as well as links to subscribe to us on iTunes and Zoom. And um, uh, the GoDaddy and Petco stuff's on there too. Isn't you there? got it. They're right there just in case you want to buy some products for Christmas. And um, reach us by email at GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. And finally, peep our tweets at twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. And um, I just want to give major props to a good friend of mine, uh, Jonathan Albert. I, I like to call him Johnny. Johnny, Johnny A. <laughs> the Crimson Lightning. He um, actually loaned me Macross seven years ago, and I finally got to um, watching it. And I still have his Full Metal Panic, which, thanks to him, is going to finally get reviewed on the show in the coming year. So um, I'm just blowing the show now. Five years from now. I know. Five years in the making. Yes. 
But that's all I got to say. Any closing thoughts, Chris? Any? Yo, I just, I just want to send some love out to my boy, Saji Crossroad. <laughs> my brother for life, yo. Hey, gavel. <laughs> Power of furry. But, um, the greatest oh. second string character ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note, well, um, hopefully this is comes out before Christmas, but if not, just have a good holiday, all that. Be safe in New Year's, and we will see you in 2010 with uh, new stuff and all the exciting analysis and banter and soul bro brashing that you've come to expect. So Nice. You've been listening to Gundam and MHQ. My apologies, kid. I'm afraid that my driver's new at this. She's not used to this kind of weather. Uh, did we splash you badly? Not really. I was able to dodge the worst of it. Huh? I'm sorry. I was driving too fast to stop quickly. It's okay. Let's see. Gears in neutral. Brakes are off. Good. Lala, get the tow rope out of the back seat. Yes, sir. What's your name? Amuro. Amuro Ray. Oh? Amuro Ray. Funny. Sounds familiar. I'm almost certain I've heard that name before. Come off it. Stop playing games. You know who I am, and I know who you are. Sir, I really appreciate this. You're very kind. Oh, may I please know your name, sir? I'm Shah Aznavel. I'm a military officer, as you can see, I'm sure. I knew it was Shah. Lala, drive forward very slowly. Yes, Captain. Captain Shah Aznavel, the famous Red Comet. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. Could we pick up now where we left off? Mr. Stark, please. Yes, dear. Could I have your attention? Absolutely. Our priority here is to have you turn over the Iron Man weapon to the American people. Well, you can forget it. We're safe. America is secure. You want my property? You can't have it. But I did you a big favor. I have successfully privatized world peace. We're adjourned for the day. You've been a delight.